Join Winnipeg Sports Talk, live from the NHL Draft in Nashville, presented by CoolBet, beginning on June 26th. This is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily, with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome to another edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Andrew Patterson with you to be rejoined by Michael Remus in a moment. Hopefully he still remembers how everything works after an extended one day off of the program yesterday. Shout out to Alex Allard for doing a great job keeping the uh, WST ship rolling. Um, Going to be a fun show today. Although uh, this morning did start off with uh, some pretty bad news. I'll get to that in a minute. Um, the Vegas Golden Knights are Stanley Cup champions, and uh, we will discuss that with Michael coming up, and Scott Billick's going to come on a little later on. Um, but uh, that's in the past. We won't spend too much time on it because now we are officially in the NHL offseason, and the countdown to Nashville and the NHL draft is on. Um, we will talk some CFL today. We got Bombers Riders on Friday night. And... Uh, John Hodge from Three Down Nation is going to jump on. Always love chopping it up on the Three Down game with John. So we'll get to that in our first segment. Billick afterwards on a number of hockey topics, including his latest column in The Sun uh, about the state of the Winnipeg Jets and the options that the organization has, excuse me, going into uh, these next two weeks, uh, which will be, I don't think uh, there's any doubt that these will be crucial to the future of the uh, of the hockey club. And uh, hey, it's U.S. Open week. I always love to have Feinberg on to uh, get his comments, a very popular recurring guest on the program. But after the week he had last year being the unofficial host <clears throat> of the RBC Canadian Open at his home course in Oakdale, no better time to talk to Feinberg about what happened last week and also get his thoughts on tee-off tomorrow at LACC. So uh, that's going to be on the show today. <clears throat> Just before I bring in Michael Remus, uh, we heard the news today that um, our friends at TSN 1260 in Edmonton are um, are out of jobs today. Um, what happened to us in Winnipeg just over two years ago happened today to uh, to the guys in Edmonton. And obviously, and I'll get to this with Michael in a minute, sort of deja vu for all of us who went through this on the 9th of February in 2021. Um, and I have no doubt that, I mean, my pal Dusty is going to be, he'll be fine. Eric, Jason, Gregor, there will be, unfortunately, be some people left behind. Now, the other thing that it's made me think about, um, both proud of what we've established here every day for uh, you folks here on our program, both listening to the podcast as well as joining us live on YouTube but it's also made me incredibly grateful for how well things have turned out for us um, because of the support that we've had from all of you that make us a part of your um, routine, much like you did back when we were on the old AM knob. Uh, and it's also made me incredibly thankful for the sponsors that make this show happen because um, <laughs> unfortunately, if we weren't doing this, we'd be, uh, we'd be getting real jobs, as they say. Um, so just as we get into the program, I want to particularly thank uh, Andrew Shevchuk over at Boston Pizza, Greg and Gerald Hasbeek at Royal Sports, Nick and Nikki from Nick and Nikki DQ, and Trevor Knott from Knott Auto Corp, who before we even did a show, 
signed up to give us an opportunity to make this happen each and every day. And of course, the incredible support from the guys over at CoolBet who were there with us from day one and have continued to help us grow um, and obviously are making our shows in Nashville at a time when all the other big companies are pulling back and not sending their guys um, possible. So um, thanks to all of them, as well as the other sponsors that make this show happen each and every day. I mean, the gang at Princess Auto has been so good to us. Consolidated Supply, uh, Little Brown Jug, Aikens Lake and Breezy Bend, um, F Apparel, Wallace & Wallace, Vita Health Fresh Market, Canadian Club, Manitoba Battery, Modern Man Barbershops, Aquatech, The Gold Eyes, Assiniboia Downs. Um, we would not be here doing what we do every day if it wasn't for the support we've got from uh, all parties involved. And as I say, it, it is a, it's a somber day for people in the industry. Um, and, and my God, I mean, the numbers that we're hearing from these reports that 1,300 people are going to be out of jobs. Um, you know, there was some PTSD this morning when I think we got the news that this had happened. I got a couple messages from people that were listening live in Edmonton when the show went off the air. And I texted Michael today. And uh, um, as I said, it, uh, it, it is... Uh, it, it's terrible. Uh, it is a sign of the times. <clears throat> but at the same time, the show can go on. I guarantee you it will go on for the likes of Dustin Nielsen and Eric, <clears throat> Jason Greger and the gang. Um, but on a day like today where we hear this news and it is so raw and fresh in front of our, uh, our, our eyes and, and ears, I did want to start off the show by just making a special thank you to everyone that's allowed us to put our heads down, work our asses off, and uh, try and be here for you every day with the conversations that we love to have. Let's get Remus in here to get this show on the road. Remus, <clears throat> listen, we're going to talk about the Golden Knights and everything else happening around the uh, uh, the uh, Winnipeg Jets, as we normally do, uh, but pretty hard not to um, think about our friends out west in Edmonton, considering what uh, we and our colleagues went through in Winnipeg just over two years ago today. Yeah, you, you called me. Um, you called, hold on. Yeah, you called me this morning saying that it happened, and uh, I was pretty, you know, as much as you, it's not surprising, hearing that and knowing people that you know don't have a job anymore, um, it's shocking. And also hearing that people, you know, their favorite station all of a sudden uh, goes off the air with a recorded message, I think it's, it's disappointing. And seeing all these people losing their jobs, um, you feel for them. Um, I don't know, I feel... The way that it's done, Huss, I, I thought they would have learned, you know, the backlash, the backlash that happened. Um, just from listeners, like, it seems to be a better way to pull a station. Like, the ratings for 1260 were extremely positive uh, recently. And just after seeing the success that we've had here, the success that they've had in Vancouver, you know, maybe there's a way you can still have provide sports content, just not on the radio. So uh, I can't, I'm not surprised that, you know, they're doing this short-sighted approach and it, it sucks people who listen to sports radio in Canada. But as someone once said in an article at The Athletic, um, radio is dead, Huss. And I know on new cars, they don't even have... Who yeah. was that wise man that dropped that quote in The Athletic? Yeah, and in, and look, new cars, they don't even have AM stations. So I think there's still an appetite for sports content out there. There's no doubt everyone there is talented. And I'm sure they'll land on their feet. But it, it definitely sucks. Um, it definitely sucks uh, seeing that, that today. And... It does bring back a lot of uh, unfortunate memories uh, from when it happened to us. 
Yeah. Um, you know, but a, a, as I said, and we're, you know, it's interesting. I mean, we've already had, you know, people and some other media outlets reach out to us to talk about, you know, what happens afterwards for something like this. And I mean, I hope that what we, and I say we, not just myself and Michael, but all of you that are with us on a daily basis that make Winnipeg Sports Talk part of your routine and the incredible local companies that have jumped on board believing in our product and this medium, um, you know, can help some of the guys that are now faced with the crossroads in their professional careers like we had, um, you know, in early 2019 or 2021. I mean, the bottom line in all of this, and as I said, I did chuckle thinking about your radio is dead crack to uh, Sean Fitzgerald, who unfortunately, and just speaking of the... <laughs> of the media landscape today. I mean, we didn't really get into this too much, but um, Sean Fitzgerald was one of some really, really established and talented writers that got let go from The Athletic earlier this week. Obviously, here in Winnipeg, we were most concerned with Murat's status and happy to tell you that Murat is still going to be and will continue to cover the Winnipeg Jets for The Athletic. Um, but that was sort of the first shoe to drop in what's been an ugly, ugly week for our industry um, in a lot of ways. But um, there are ways to uh, continue. The bottom line is that the demand is this for here. I mean, I can only speak to Winnipeg and I guess Edmonton, having been in that market before, being a regular on Dustin's show, um, getting so much feedback from Edmontonians, many of them that often will jump in and uh, check out our program when the fellows in Edmonton were done what they were doing in the morning. Um, <laughs> make no mistake about it, people. There is demand for this, um, and there's the ability to make money for this and, you know, create a living for yourself. And the talented people out there in Edmonton are going to do that. I can't wait um, to talk to Dustin a little bit more about what's next for he and Eric. Um, I'd be lying if <laughs> I said that we hadn't had these conversations before about what is next because I think everyone that still worked for one of those stations after what happened to very successful stations in Winnipeg and Vancouver um, knew that that was a possibility at some point. It, it, it still, though, does not make it any less jarring and rattling when, you know, you finish up a segment and say, AJ Jacobek's coming up after the news, and the next thing you knew, somebody from HR is coming in and telling you that um, the show and the station is over. And to your point... Um, and I really think, I mean, listen, in some ways, maybe it was a blessing because Dusty, we did the lock shop yesterday and then he hit off for an annual golf trip. So he was actually going to be away for the next three days. Tommy Gazzola, another great friend of ours, incredibly talented young guy, was on the air today doing uh, doing his thing with LTE in the place of Dustin. <clears throat> but the, the, the inability to sign off and to thank listeners uh, and to end it properly was something that always stuck with me. I mean, Remo, we've talked about this before. I mean, our last show on 1290 was the Monday after the Chiefs lost to the Bucks in the Super Bowl. I mean, I had to go in and I joked with Rick Ralph at the end of that show. And again, I was having fun with it, but I said, you know, a big, a smaller man would have taken the day off, would have not come in and had to deal with <clears throat> everyone all over me because Brady, of all people, beat my beat my guy Mahomes in the Super Bowl. But, I mean, I remember finishing the show off saying, I will be back tomorrow. We move on. 
I took my medicine today and that was it. That was literally the last thing that I said on 1290 after being, I mean, the guy in the afternoon in that slot from the beginning of Hustler and Lawless coming there in 2011 until the day they turned the lights out. And that always sort of stuck with me. But I'll tell you what, I mean, the response that we got over the course of the few weeks while we put this venture together, and more so than anything, Remo, I think we really saw the reaction to that video. It was just a simple two-minute video putting out that we were announcing that this was going to get going at the beginning of March, sort of a tease to join us on Monday for the program. And that video has well over 100,000 views. And I think at that point we knew that, I mean, just because... Bell Media decided that they weren't making enough money from AM radio and didn't have time for us and didn't want to have these people on the payroll did not mean that it is not a viable um, option going forward. So uh, as much as we're thinking about our colleagues today uh, out there in Edmonton, I'm actually really excited for what's next for Dusty, for Eric, for Tom, for Jason Greger, uh, for J-Mo Low Tide, um, that is an incredible sports city, much like our home here in Winnipeg. And uh, those voices are going to be heard in the future, hopefully sooner as opposed to later. Yeah, shout out to who else are there? Uh, Connor Holly, Matthew Iwanek, a lot of talented people there. And again, to not have a goodbye, I mean, you guys, you got to save as much money as you can, as quickly as you can, Huss. Um, don't want to have any of that backlash. I don't know, just, it just seems to me short-sighted to just shut down, what, like Twitter accounts, shut down a website, other social media accounts. So you, you already have a built-in following, and you couldn't, you know, pivot to what we're doing here. But, I mean, it worked out for us. We have ownership of this. Uh, as Jeff Hamilton wrote in the free press, we are, what, thriving here. We seem to be doing okay. So I am excited to see no, we what comes. We are com- thriving. And, and listen. Yeah, I what mean, comes over, yep. And... Listen, I mean, I think this next month is going to be a real great example of that in that, you know, we've, you know, continued to grow. And by the way, shout out to everyone that's jumped on board lately. We're at 9.4 subs. The road to 10K continues. If you found us from somewhere else, hit that red subscribe button and let's keep this momentum rolling. Um, But I mean, we're getting ready. I would say arguably for the biggest week in the history of Winnipeg sports talk, and it coincides with, I think, you know, part of our conversations that are still to come with one of the biggest weeks in the Winnipeg Jets 2.0 history as to what happens with all of these situations that Kevin Dayoff is dealing with this. But, I mean, the ability to ourselves find the financing, because it's not cheap to send people down there and do broadcasts and stay in cities like Nashville and to get there, but... And obviously, in this case, it's the great people at CoolBet that are presenting our, our our shows. But, I mean, these are sort of the things that we could have actually done back in TSN or what Gary and I did the first couple of years before they were like, ah, you know what? This is maybe a little too successful. We need to get you guys under the corporate umbrella. And listen, we, we went that route. Um, you know, it was great for Gary being able to do the television and radio. It was great for me getting benefits and not having to deal with the sales side and a lot of the business side of things. And I could really just concentrate on the show. And it certainly made me a better broadcaster. But at the same time, there was a lot of things that as people that did not care at all about our product and what we were delivering and the fact that a lot of the decisions that we're making were kind of cutting our knees out from below us. 
these sort of things are you're able to do these things on your own. And um, as I said, the guys in Edmonton are going to be fine. In fact, I think like us, I think many of them will be in a better position in the future than they were as they saw you know what the the trend of what was happening with their station exactly like happened with us in Winnipeg over those last few years i'll i'll say this one thing reem just before we get to everything else it, could there be a worse job in the world than being one of those hr people at bell oh man i i tried to be really nice to the person who i had to talk to actually like i was like man i just like felt bad um like i'll be honest like yeah like it was a bit of a shock when it happened happened to us uh i tried to stay you know professional they're just doing they're, they're well, they just are. doing their but job I mean, that's literally what they're doing eight hours yeah. a day telling people that everything that they've worked for is over here's a package i'm sure some people are incredibly uh, incredibly emotional about things. I mean, I remember you at the time. I mean, you know, you had just been married, you know, had a one really, you know, young child. Yeah. In fact, that was one of the great pressures on me, you know, making sure that this could work because, I mean, I was <laughs> like at the end of the day, listen, I mean, I was in a good position myself. I don't have any dependents. Um, but you know what? When, you know, when there are others that are depending on you, and that's what happens when you're a parent, um, you know, it sort of cranks up the uh, the need to go out and make things happen. So anyways, I just I, I, I didn't want to talk as long as we've ended up talking about this. But I, I had to mention this right off the bat because um, the, like what happened today happened to us. It is an integral part of the birth of this program. And as we I mean, what we're approaching 5 million total, I mean, views and downloads for our program. We're going to the draft at a time when the other, many of the other media markets are pulling the guy, those guys back, unfortunately. Um, it's just made me incredibly appreciative. But at the same time, um, it was rattling to see. And by the way, I see a lot of you in chat talking about Dusty. Um, l listen, I, I, I don't want to speak for him. Um, we're going to probably be doing a lock shop on Friday, so maybe he'll have a little something to say. I know he'll... Listen, this guy, he, he's the hardest working guy I've ever worked with. Um, he is a machine. There will certainly be content from Dusty and Eric coming forward. And I, I would be, I think it's safe to say that they've realized that this was a possibility for a few years after what happened to us. But for you CFL fans that are wondering about whether the big guy is going to be calling games, do not worry when you do not see him on the air this weekend because. That was pre-planned. He's on this golf trip. I assure you he's on the schedule for the rest of the way, and uh, you will still hear the dulcet tones of our guy Nielsen doing, um, doing a great job building a reputation as the, uh, the top up-and-coming play-by-play voice in Canadian sports right now and a mainstay of Canadian football. Um, so that's the, uh, that's the unfortunate story to, uh, to start off for our friends in Edmonton. Um, but Remo, let's get right to it because as I said, we're going to talk uh, some CFL with John Hodge coming up and then we'll get into a little bit more of this jet situation with Scott Billick, as well as some interesting comments from Darren Drager, who was on late night with Jay Onrate last night. But, um, Hey, some congratulations are in order to all the Manitoba mafia, Kelly McCrimmon, the architect of the 2023 Stanley cup champion, Vegas golden Knights, Winnipeg's Mark Stone, the captain getting the Stanley cup. 
and the entire crew from the Manitoban players, including, I mean, Zach Whitecloud, what an incredible story he is. I mean, really growing into being an icon for Indigenous youth and a hell of a hockey player. Winnipeg's Keegan Colastar, uh, Brent Howden from Oak Bank. Um, and, of course, as I said, you know, going back to Brandon, Kelly McCrimmon, who, uh, you know, was the uh, was the face and was the franchise, really. It built that Brandon Wheat Kings club into what it is and uh, what con- it continues to be um, and now has a Stanley Cup ring. And anyone that saw Kelly's uh, interview last night, um, you know, I think that was it was the, one of the greatest moments of his life. But, I mean, there also is a whole, I mean, the way – Losing his brother Brad the way that he did, that's not something you ever really get over. Um, and I was thinking about him and that family uh, last night when um, they got to the top of the mountain. And I know there's a lot of people that are sour about Vegas, uh, winning the cup the way they did in six years. Um, uh, listen, I, I just have to take my hat off, man. That is a team that um, that went in. They had the courage. They had the balls to make some big, big moves. Uh, and it all came up Vegas came uh, come playoff time and uh, what a story they are um, if anything I think this might be a little bit of a push to other general managers in the uh, National Hockey League to take big swings like the Vegas Golden Knights have done I mean it really is crazy Reem the Vegas Golden Knights only have one drafted player on their club that's Nick Haig everybody else acquired in a different fashion yeah and shout out to uh, Gary Lawless, uh, Shane Knighty, former co-workers at the old station, uh, celebrating last night. Uh, Gary, uh, what was on Jeff Merrick today? He told me to tune in, and he he claimed he would not be able. He wasn't sure if he could pass a, a breathalyzer Eliza test after uh, being up pretty late. But it, it was it was a hilarious. Like I'm not sure. I'm sure the Merrick show is probably podcast somewhere. Yeah. Um, if you want a good, if you want a good laugh, a very happy but exhausted Gary was on the program today talking about it, and he did speak about Kelly and you know that moment last night. Um, listen, I mean, know there's a lot of people that, um, and it really doesn't make sense to me. I mean, I guess you can kind of, I mean, the first year was the first year. I mean, yeah, it was crazy, but I mean, credit to what George McPhee and Kelly McCrimmon did by you know, really making very, very shrewd deals with NHL GMs that I don't think really grasped or maybe were prepared for the rules and how it would affect their hockey clubs. And, I mean, they didn't break any rules. They took advantage of them, and they took advantage of some teams that, as always, overvalued their own players and made incredible decisions that made them competitive right away. But, I mean, they never stopped there. I mean, you look at their big acquisitions – Mark Stone of Winnipeg traded for him at the deadline, signed him to that $9.5 million contract for eight years. Um, and obviously the Pierangelo signing, Jack Eichel. Um, they've got some star players there, but that is a team that is built to win top to bottom, one to 12 up front, one to six in the back. And I mean, this team went through five goalies this year. Aiden Hill was a backup. Trust me, I had him on my fantasy team this year. He never basically got in the game, and there he is leading the team to the Stanley Cup. I mean, uh, listen, I, I choose to think that it's a great story, and certainly, I mean, it's bittersweet here because, of course, the Vegas Golden Knights beat our Winnipeg Jets in the first round, but at the same time, um, there's a lot of people with roots here in Manitoba that are going to be bringing the Cup here, and um, and they deserve it, bottom line. Vegas 
uh, Kelly McCrimmon as GM and George McPhee. I think they schooled every other GM over the last couple of years. The Stanley Cup extremely well deserved. And you know Kelly McCrimmon when he was with Brandon, I would call him up to come on the old station. He always answered the phone and was also uh, very nice to me. You know, nobody, nobody just call, calling him. So um, it was very cool to see uh, the celebrations on the ice. But you look at the moves that they made. Um, you know, John the March, so Con Smythe winner, Florida just gave them the unprotected March so who was a 30 goal scorer and then gave them Riley Smith because they didn't like his contract <laughs> to not take Alex Petrovic. You look at, you know, it's one of the other original six who all lifted the cup. The OG, what are the Golden Misfits OG ones? Um, uh, who was it? Uh, Shea Theodore, but Anaheim gave them the- Shea Theodore so they would take Clayton Stoner and his contract to not pick Josh Manson and Sammy Vatanen. Um, you look at William Carlson. He Columbus gave them William Carlson to take David Clarkson's contract. Um, you look at you know some of the trades that Carlson they've made. Did have like six goals the year before, and then all of a sudden yeah. scores forty in the first year. Yeah, I guess. I mean, they look. Uh, Greg Wyshynski had a really nice article on ESPN about you know how they came together, and I think the Golden Knights realized that year one they caught lightning in a bottle and. You know, they went on this magical run, but they needed to create something more sustainable. And they what, they signed Petrangelo. And look, he was with St. Louis. They didn't want to give him a no-trade clause. Uh, Vegas did. They traded for Mark Stone, you know, gave up futures. Um, they even gave up, what, Nick Suzuki for Pacioretty. And then once Pacioretty was injured, they, were, they weren't afraid to move on from him. It gave him away for nothing. What, Nate Schmidt, they signed him to the long-term deal. Realized, hey, you know what? We actually need a top pair D, and they what gave away Nate Schmidt to Vancouver, and then what they signed Petron, gave him the no trade clause. No one else wanted to give him a no trade clause, not even uh, the Blues, and they did. And um, Jack Eichel, what traded? You know, he was on the block for so long. Buffalo didn't want to let him have his you know requested surgery. Vegas did, uh, gave him a ten million dollar contract, working out. Uh, working out well, or no, it was, I think he signed with Buffalo, but anyways, working out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they just traded for him. I mean, yeah. Like, but they bu- gave Buffalo the best deal. Like this wasn't like, I'm only going to go to these places. He wanted out. Yeah. Um, and, and listen, I'm, I'm certainly here for the conversations of some of the unique challenges of the Winnipeg market. Um, but the one thing that, you know, I think Vegas has done compared to Winnipeg uh, it, it is those courageous, bold moves that could blow up. Mm-hmm but didn't. Um, and I mean, we're now in a situation and it's very interesting because of where the Winnipeg jets are on these players that, you know, now have one year left remaining on their contracts, apparently are not resigning the the jam that that puts Chevy in as far as what they need to do. They'll need to be competitive. Um, you know, all, all of those things. Um, listen, Vegas missed the playoffs last year, <laughs> um, but they came back believing that they had, you know, a group that knew what it takes to win. They've had some tough losses. I mean, they who saw them losing to Montreal, you know, in the year that uh, the Jets lost to the Habs as well. Um, but, I mean, you just have to tip your cap, man, to, uh, you know, a team that there's, there's a lot of other teams in the league where players want to go to and there's no tax. And uh, is that an advantage? Absolutely. But let's not make it all about that right now because, you know, what just from a hockey standpoint – this team beat some very, very good hockey clubs throughout the year uh, and throughout the playoffs. Um, and 
and are deserving Stanley Cup champions in an incredible story six yeah. years from their birth in the league. I mean, you mentioned like what free what big free agents have they signed? One, Alex Petrangelo, and you know the Blues could have offered him more years because he was with there, and and they didn't. Um, Alex Alec Martinez actually was a free agent signing for them, but even after he left LA, you're like, I don't know, this guy's over thirty. Like this is kind of a a big deal, and what an emotional interview he had after. I'm talking about the, you know facial facial laceration he had to come yeah. back from, which sounded horrific. Wasn't sure if he would play, and he got emotional talking about the Golden Knights trainers. But you know, you talked about big swings. What stood out to me all playoffs was the moves that they made, uh, acquiring death players who all made a huge impact for minimal a minimal cost. Um, how about Nicholas Waugh, who uh, Gary talked about, Jeff Merrick, one of their most important acquisitions. They traded Eric Halla. For him, Eric Hall, who's a you know coming in as a U, who's going to be a UFA, Eric Hall, who they got from from Minnesota, along with Alex Tuck, what to not take uh, Dumba or Scandella. So I mean, all these moves Vegas made, they've hit on every one. And what Chandler Stevenson, we talked all playoffs. What fifth round pick Michael Amadio? You remember him crushing the Jets' dreams in Game Three with that overtime winner. Imagine if the Jets would have won us. Maybe they would have been Stanley Cup champions if they would have won that that overtime. But he was cl- claimed off waivers. <laughs> Brett Howden was, you know, a failed uh, first round pick who they brought in and played a huge role. Winnipeg guy. And I'm trying to think is well. Let's talk about Zach Whitecloud for a it, sec. Yeah, uh, I mean, this is a young guy from Manitoba. Mm-hmm. Played in the MJ. Went to the NCAA. Was never drafted. And signed as a free agent. And now and they've signed him to a long-term contract, and he's a mainstay, and he's a Stanley Cup champion. I mean, we'll, we'll maybe get into this a little bit more yeah. with Billick because uh, I know that he'll have some takes on this as well. Yeah, I know John Hodgson. But the other one, sorry, Keegan Colsar, who was, you know, made the play of the series, injuring Matthew Kachuk. And we didn't even talk about his injury, playing with a broken sternum. But what, they traded a you know, draft pick for him, and he played a huge, huge role. For them, so I mean, not only did they make the the bold moves to get with the number one center, the number one D, you get the leader and Mark Stone, but they also every move they made um, hit in the bottom six. And when they made mistakes, they weren't afraid to admit they made mistakes and moved on from them, like with uh, you know trading away with yeah. Stasny well, and aggressive Pacioretty, with their coaches Flurry. too. I mean, listen, oh, yeah. Bruce Cassidy, Bruce Cassidy etched himself in. Uh, uh, you know, an all-time group. He already was the first coach to win 50 games back-to-back seasons with different mm-hmm. teams. He's won literally everything else. Now he's got his Stanley Cup ring as a head coach. Um, all right, we are going to talk some CFL. Billick's coming up. We've got some interesting comments from Darren Drager from last night on the Jets, which we'll talk touch about. Uh, but just before we bring in John, hey, Father's Day is coming up, folks. Modern Man Barbershops, now with eight locations in Winnipeg. Want to spoil the Dapper Dads this Father's Day. For now until June 19th, purchase a $40 gift card and they'll load it as 50 bucks. Plus visit them on Instagram at Modern Man Barbershops for a chance to win a year's supply of Dapper Dan products. Modern Man has a variety of grooming services, haircuts, beard shaping, shaves, color services, and more. You can book your look and an appointment at modernmanbarber.com. And follow them and enter that contest on their Instagram at Modern Man Barbershops. Uh, 
A little chilly today, but got some more nice weather coming up as we really dive into summer. Why not make 2023 the year you take the plunge with Aquatech? Visit aqua-tech.ca to design your own custom pool. Their team can provide on-the-spot pricing from designers as well as financing options that suit you. And whole home renovations start with Aquatech as well. With thousands of rentals as their foundation, let them upgrade any space in your home. Aquatech's ready to make your reno dreams a reality. Learn more about design, pricing, and financing options at aqua-tech.ca. Uh, Donnie and the Manitoba Battery Gang are ready for summer right now. And the boat battery blowout sale goes until June 17th. Incredible deals from Manitoba Battery on boat on boat batteries, including a regular 10-inch 140 reserve cap deep cycle battery for just 105 or a higher quality AGM version of the same 10-inch battery that usually sells for 219 now only 139.50. And if you want to get on board with the hot new lithium technology, you can get a 100 amp hour lithium battery that only weighs 22 pounds for just $599, which is a $200 savings. Any way you slice it, Manitoba Battery has you covered for your boat battery needs. You'll be shopping local. You will get the best prices in town and the most convenient experience because Manitoba Battery will deliver that sucker to you anywhere in the city for free. For more information on the boat battery blowout sale, go to manitobabattery.com or pop down and visit them at 1026 Logan Avenue. And just before we bring in John Hodge, a big shout out to our friends at Canadian Club, the official spirit of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. A lot of people enjoying those CC and ginger ale premixed cocktails at the game last Friday. You can pick them up right now on sale at your local Manitoba Liquor Marts or your favorite beer vendor. And of course, you can get all the great Canadian club products at your local Manitoba Liquor Marts. All right, more hockey talk coming up a little later on. We'll also get ready for the U.S. Open with Feinberg. Uh, but the season is on. It's been a minute since we've had John Hodge on from Three Down Nation. Let's get the big guy back on. John, how are you, man? Great to have you back on the show. I'm doing great, Huss. How about yourself? You know, good, good. Um, very good. Uh, you know, it was a little, it's a weird day today hearing the news about what happened in T- with TSN 1260. Um, kind of deja vu for all of us. But as I said on the start of the show, it kind of makes me uh, proud and also thankful for the, the support and the fact that we're able to continue to do this. And a big part of that is great contributions from people like yourself who are also doing a great job outside of the large companies um, delivering Canadian sports fans what they uh, what they need. So a stick-tack to what you and uh, the gang over at Three Down Nation have been doing along with Justin Dunk. And uh, I guess it's a busy time for you guys right now because we had a big kickoff weekend last week, and uh, it's game on for CFL football this year. It is, yeah. I mean, it's it's a great time of year. It's it's certainly busy. There, there's certainly no lack of storylines. I mean, we'll put it that way. I, I do think this is going to be a very intriguing year in the CFL for lots of reasons. Of course, we have quarterback movement with guys like Bolivai Mitchell and Trevor Harris and Cody Fajardo while playing for new teams. But I also think, more importantly, there's going to be a lot of parity in the league. Like, like Winnipeg is by far and away, I think, the best team right now. I don't think anybody can really argue against that at this point. But the other eight teams, I really don't think there's a lot that separates the worst one from the best one. I think BC is pretty comfortably in second right now. But I think all of the teams that missed the playoffs last year have improved. And I think some clubs have taken a step back. And that should mean that a 21-week regular season should at least be meaningful all the way through. You know, before we get to a uh, week two, 
in an early season bomber riders matchup. Um, let's go back to last Friday night. Um, <laughs> you know, I was at the Sea Bears game and uh, talking to a couple of the guys on the bombers and you know, having a little fun going, yeah, I had to make it a little more interesting, you know, keep some drama going on in the second half. I mean, that was as lopsided a beatdown that didn't look that way on the scoreboard, I can remember. I mean, what what did you make of how good the Bombers were in so many aspects of the game, but that crazy period in the second half when all of a sudden Hamilton was right back in the game and frankly had no business being there? Well, I think Zach Clara said it best post-game when he said, like, the, the unprecedented, and I don't think people appreciate maybe just the level of uh, continuity that the Bombers have had over this stretch of time. Like, we, we talk about it a little bit, but this is an organization that in week one had 24 starters on the field, all of whom were with the team a year ago. Like, like, not all of them were necessarily starters. I think 19 of the starters were the same from the Grey Cup, but there was not a single starter on that roster who was not with the club a year ago. And this is a club that also, by the way, had no change in the coaching department. Like, the, the level of continuity is, is, is virtually unprecedented, uh, not just in the CFL, but, but possibly even in pro sports. And Zach Kolaris said, like, we're already doing things in our offense that, you know, were it not for this level of continuity, we will probably wouldn't have happening till week five, week six. And so when you look at a team with that level of, of continuity, a, a roster that is so veteran laden, you expect them to come out hot. Last season, that didn't happen. They, they almost lost the odd Red Blacks at home in week one of 2022. Well, they weren't going to make that mistake again. And, and a beat down, the word you use, Tuss, is I think, very appropriate in this regard. Bolivar Mitchell comes out, hits a couple of nice passes. Nick Dembski has the fumble. The Ticats go up for zip. And then it, there was just like this blue and gold blur. And all of a sudden it was halftime and the game was over. Now, you mentioned the mistakes in the second half. There was the blocked punt. I spoke with Jesse Briggs and Retta Cramdy who were in a blocking for that play. Post game, they called it a communication issue. You had the Janarian Grant uh, fumble that, somehow magically popped up right in the air to Fraser Sopic reserve linebacker for the Ticats. And of course you had the fumble, which was just a great play by Ted Laron to shoot the gap. So, you know, Michael Shea talked about this post game. Maybe it's a good thing that the team had some mental errors in the second half just to keep them sharp, because if those errors are going to happen, you'd certainly rather it happen when the club is up four or five scores than when the game is tied. I, I thought the defense looked, I mean, like they were getting ready to go into the playoffs. I mean, they were they were that set and ready to go. And obviously, you mentioned the offense. What were your takeaways from special teams, though? Um, I would imagine, I mean, obviously, you've got the block punt and the fumble, and those will be the obvious things. But um, I would think that maybe this year, this week in the special teams meetings, Mike O'Shea's working a little harder on, uh, you know, with some of the guys on certainly the kick coverage units which did give up some some big yardage at times, um, as well as some of those little things. Because on offense and defense, I thought the Bombers looked like they were in midseason form. Would you agree that maybe if there's one area for the team to clean up a bit, it would be on special teams, outside of Sergio Castillo, who came as advertised with a monster game kicking? Yeah, I think the the offense, was, I mean, you put up 42 points in a game, and and you, you can't criticize that whatsoever. Uh, Zach Kolaris, I think, had 250 passing yards at halftime, which is wild. Uh, I wonder if Matt Dunnigan was feeling nervous after the first quarter, wondering, is my is my 713-yard single-game record in doubt? 
no, he didn't keep up that pace. But defense was virtually beyond reproach. They had 10 knockdowns, which is crazy. 10 knockdowns is good for a defense sometimes over the first you know third of a season. They had that in a game. Uh, so special teams, yeah, there's a little bit of work to do. I think one of the reasons why the cover units and 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 the punt teams were a little bit off, uh, you know, Retta Cramdy and again Jesse Briggs, who I spoke to in the locker room after the game, talked about this a little bit. Mike Miller did not dress for the game. Mike Miller, the league's all-time special teams tackles leader, has been with the club now for I think since 2016. Like like a guy who is you know an argument could be made the best special teams player, or at least certainly the best special teams non-kicker or non-punter in CFL history, you know, he was a late scratch. And so when you've got a guy who's a late scratch, that means you all of a sudden have a bunch of other guys who are put into new roles. And I think that's part of what contributed to some of the communication issues. So do I think this is going to be a long-term issue for those 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 units? No, I, I don't think so. I think these are things that are going to get sorted pretty quick. Janarian Grant came very close to breaking a big return. And Lawrence Woods, I think, is, is a bit of an underrated returner, frankly, for the tie cat. So certainly something to clean up, you know, there's no such thing as a perfect outing in all three phases, but I don't think that the club should be too, too concerned about any special teams breakdowns. Just given that again, the, the late personnel change it being week one, I think they'll get it cleaned up. Um, I, I, I'll be frank. I thought Bo Levi was, uh, underwhelming to say the least. And I thought that terrible pick that he throwed early on, was really like and that just you know, it was like lighting a match to a firecracker that was the bombers offense i mean from there they never looked back and you can't give a team like you know the winnipeg blue bombers freebies the way that happened uh but what was your takeaway from hamilton i mean they were the preseason favorites to win the east with Bo in there um where were you on hamilton before the season and did uh, their performance in week one change at all your uh, your thoughts of where they stack up in the east well, let me, let me tell you a quick story with this. So before the game, I'm in the press box and a, a, a member of the media who shall remain nameless came up to me and said, how do you think Bo is going to look? And I said, uh, I said, honestly, I don't think he's going to look, look better or necessarily worse than what we saw last year. I think it's going to be a lot of the same. And this person said, oh, well, I think Bo is going to be like lights out. I think he's going to be fantastic. And he looked good on the first drive. And then he goes in on the second drive and throws the pick. And this person in the press box turns to me, I turn to them, and we lock eyes as if to be like, oh, okay, uh, he's not lights out. That was that was really bad because he was flushed from the pocket, I believe, by Jackson Jeffcoat going from his right to his left. And he, his team was in field goal range. Like, you just throw the ball away at that point, and he tried to force in a pass that was never going to work. Demary Houston made a nice play to pick it up on the sideline. And that was kind of the start of, of the end for Bo. I mean, at that point, and I'll say this too, a lot of people I think were concerned about his velocity, right? The velocity of his arms and, and, and the speed of his throws. To me, live, and it's been a while since we've had a chance, at least in Winnipeg, to see Bo Levi Mitchell play live. The arm looked fine from a velocity standpoint, from an arm strength standpoint. The accuracy just wasn't there. He, he underthrew some long balls. He overthrew some long balls. He made some questionable decisions. And that, to me, is, is also very bizarre because, like, at this point of your career, like, if there's one thing, you know, 10, 12 years into a long CFL career, you should be able to do no problem. It's make good decisions, right? That's that's the part of the game that that you should only get better as you get older, right? Your body might start to break down, your arm might start to deteriorate, but your brain, your ability to process the game, make good decisions, recognize defensive coverages, see pictures on the field, those are the things 
that should be improving. So I was not terribly high on Bully by Mitchell coming into the season. That's not to say I didn't think he'd have a decent season. I just don't think he's an elite quarterback anymore. I think he's very much in the middle of the pack. I'm still relatively high on the Ticats, at least for the East Division. That's only maybe partly due to, I suppose, that I'm relatively low on the Alouettes and the Red Blacks, at least until we see Jeremiah Masoli back on the field because Nick Arbuckle looked putrid, to be quite frank, in week one. So it doesn't change a whole lot about the Ticats, but I will say for a league with nine teams that needs the best quarterbacking it can get, it was disappointing to see Bo not play better, and a lot, frankly, of quarterbacks play better in week one. We need good quality quarterbacking to have elite-level entertainment in this league. You know, <laughs> you're talking about Bo and uh, just the lack of accuracy, and I couldn't help but think about Taylor Cornelius <laughs> on Sunday night <laughs> for the Edmonton Elks. And uh, my God, I mean, obviously I'm close with the guys in Edmonton and do a lot of work with them, and we're always talking about this I mean, incredible, incredible drought of winning a game at home dating back to 2019. I mean, honestly, it doesn't even seem possible, and yet here we are. Um, they did a lot to add to the weapons around Taylor Cornelius, but I'm not sure how much that matters, John, if the quarterback can't throw the ball where he's intending to get it to. Well, I think the philosophy in Edmonton was let's just have the best receiving core one could possibly go out and buy because then Taylor Cornelius only has to get it in the area code for that particular receiver. And what we saw on Sunday was Taylor Cornelius dialing the wrong area code, right? We <laughs> we saw him miss a lot of throws. He threw, he threw balls in the dirt. He pegged, uh, I, I think it was uh, Dylan Mitchell's knee on one of those throws, maybe it was Steven Dunbar Jr. coming across the middle, but it, it was wild. I mean, Dylan Mitchell was one of the best receivers in the league last year, had a phenomenal breakout year. Steven Dunbar Jr., they went out, gave him 200 grand to come over from the Ticats. They gave Eugene Lewis $320,000, the highest paid non-quarterback in the CFL. Now, Eugene Lewis made a great play to pick the ball off the hands of Saskatchewan Rough Riders DB Jeremy Clark, who, by the way, is six foot three. It's not like Eugene Lewis is out here mossing, you know, five foot seven defensive backs. He's out here mossing guys who are taller than him and taking it 102 yards to the house. If you take out that one play that, let's be honest, was was all Eugene Lewis, Cornelius's stat line for the day would have been 100 passing yards with two picks, which is which is obviously just just not acceptable. And, and Chris Jones readily admitted it after the game. He said, yeah, it wasn't Taylor's best day. He knows that he's going to be better. And I think he will be better. Uh, you know, he, he started 12 games last year, went three and nine, but I mean, the Elks didn't do a lot of winning last year, obviously, but this was the worst game I've seen him play. And, and certainly when you look at a team like the Elks, they don't have a proven backup. They've got Trey Ford, a former first round pick out of U sports at the university of Waterloo. I don't think Trey Ford has the most brilliant arm in the CFL, but he might be the best athlete playing quarterback in the CFL. Runs a 4-4. Like, the guy is faster than a lot of the receivers he's throwing the ball to. So, if you're the Elks, I don't think you necessarily this early in the season, especially after giving Taylor Cornelius a big contract extension, you want to change things up. But, boy, if any player in the league has pressure on them to improve from week one to week two, it's him. And you mentioned also the home losing streak there, Huss. That's also, I think, weighing heavily on the organization. I'd, I'd almost relate it to what locally the Blue Bombers went through here for years, where coaches, GMs, and players, they would just gristle when the media brought up the long, long, long Grey Cup drought that this, that this organization had. But guess what? The only way to get rid of those questions 
is to end the drought, right? It's 18 games. The previous record was 14. Like not only have the Elks broken the record, they're 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 starting on the second lap. That's not good. They, they've well, got to get this fixed. And think about the way that it happened. I mean, despite yeah. how much Cornelius stunk, they were right in that game. And in the fourth quarter, yes. they've got a first and goal on the one yard line and three cracks to get it in. And they don't do it. And listen, that's not on Cornelius. He wasn't even in. Um, I mean, man, your offensive line, uh, you have to be able to get that done. And I mean, I certainly... Chris Jones, like, listen, if they'd gone out and, you know, got lost 41 to three, I mean, that's the worst case scenario. At least they were competitive. And from the sounds of it, they had a nice crowd and people had a good time. But man, to lose that way where it is right teed up for you and yet you still can't get it across the line. um, That's a real tough way to start the season. But how much credit do you give to Saskatchewan and their defense for handling that particular situation the way that they did? And frankly, giving Cornelius the trouble that he had all night. Well, I, I hesitate to give the Riders a ton of credit because I do think that a lot of Cornelius' struggles were, were just him missing open receivers. Like It wasn't as though the coverage was blanketing and balls were getting batted away at the last second. This was a situation where I, I feel like over the course of the game, Cornelius was just missing throws that at the professional level you got to make. With that said, the Riders do deserve a ton of credit for that goal line stand. That was sensational. Kyle Oxley is an athletic freak as their backup quarterback he's a guy who at utep was a quarterback but previously in his college career at texas had been moved to receiver he tried out for the miami dolphins at receiver in camp with them i believe it was in 2021 and was like one of the last cuts off the roster came extremely close to making the team as a receiver six foot three close to 200 pounds he's a great athlete and so to have a guy like that as the short yardage qb and stop him three plays in a row was extremely impressive. And that unit, in my view, has to be the Riders' bread and butter this season. Roland Milligan, second-year defensive back at boundary half for them, really caught my eye. The defensive line, I think, has improved. Anthony Lanier has made the switch from DT to playing on the edge at, at defensive end. I thought he looked very good. So if the Riders' defense can continue to grow, continue to improve, uh, and, and and be that type of defense that can step up in late-game situations. I like the Riders a lot more than I did coming into the season because on offense, I do think they are kind of a you know ball-control style of offense. Trevor Harris is going to get the ball quickly, make fast decisions, hit a lot of underneath stuff. Jamal Morrow, very dynamic in the backfield. They're not a team that's going to go out and put up 40 points a whole heck of a lot. They're a team that's going to control the ball, limit mistakes, and do just enough scoring to win. So the defense, you know, on the whole of the game, I, I don't think they deserve a ton of credit for holding Edmonton to 13 points, but the goal line stand was sensational. And maybe that gives them something to build off of for the rest of the year. Well, John, listen, before we go, I mean, give us your quick thoughts on Friday night's game. I mean, the Bombers obviously a significant road favorite against a team that they've owned for the better part of the last few years. Bombers look so good in week one for the most part. Um, how uh, how big of a test will Saskatchewan at home be for the Bombers, who uh, look to be the team that survives this game and comes out 2-0? Well, winning at Mosaic is is never easy. It's one of the toughest places to play in the CFL, and, and historically the Bombers struggled there. That hasn't been the case the last couple of years. They've won at Mosaic uh, every time they've been there, dating back to the pandemic. So 
in my view, this is certainly Winnipeg's game to lose for a couple reasons. One of them, the Riders are coming off a short week. They played on Sunday. Now they've got to play on Friday. The Bombers, meanwhile, have had a full week of rest. That is really hard to overcome in professional football, having significantly less rest and practice than your opponent. Secondly, Trevor Harris is not going to be at 100% for this game. Trevor Harris took a big shot, has a hip pointer. Uh, and and though Craig Dickinson said, oh, he's going to practice fully on Wednesday, he's going to be fine, Trevor Harris is 37 years old. And, and in my view, I don't think there's any way he's going to be at 100% versus Winnipeg, which is not a good thing when you're going up against Willie Jefferson and company. And then thirdly, you mentioned it, Huss, is just how dominant this Winnipeg team looked. If they had avoided those second-half mistakes, they probably beat Hamilton by 30. So Saskatchewan, I think they've improved from last year. I think Trevor Harris is a better fit for that franchise, for that team, for that offense than Cody Fajardo was. But the line right now, I believe, is Winnipeg minus 3.5. And and I'm jumping all that uh, on on that in a heartbeat if I'm a better because I think this is going to be Winnipeg's game to lose. Right now, I've got them by a touchdown. Uh, let's uh, quickly um, fill people in on uh, what you and the gang have cooking up at three down now that the season is fully underway and not heading into the weekend for week two. Well, we've got our weekly picks that that come out the first day of every game. That's our first first game of every week, I should say. That's Thursday morning almost for the entire regular season. And then, of course, we've got uh, all kinds of different features that run news, notes, all that kind of stuff. One one feature I'm excited about is Tuesday morning throughout the season. We're going to be doing our own awards. We've got 10 awards. We've got some pretty standard ones like Offensive Player of the Week, Defensive Player of the Week, but we've also got Breakout Player of the Week. We've got the Best Play of the Week. We've got the Worst Play of the Week. And then we're also awarding games, so the Best Game of the Week and the Worst Game of the Week, which has already created a bit of a stir on Twitter. So we're excited about that and, and we hope people check it out. John, great to have you back on the program. Keep up the great work at three down. Say what's up to the gang and uh, hopefully we can do this again real soon. Enjoy the games on the weekend. Will do, Huss. Thanks again for having me. Anytime. Good stuff. Uh, at John D. Hodge on Twitter. Make sure you're giving him a follow uh, and make sure you're making yourself a regular visitor to the three down nation site. All right. We're going to get Scott Billick of the Winnipeg Sun in here in just a minute. Uh, hey, folks, if you're looking for great prices on natural and organic supplements, beauty products, and groceries, you need to get on down to one of seven Vita Health Fresh Market stores, also featuring Winnipeg's largest assortment of local products, too. Barbecue season's in full swing. You can get down to Vita Health and stock up on some delicious Vita Market grass fed bison and beef steaks. And with Father's Day around the corner, men's health is top of mind. Pick up unique formulas like Prostate Protect and Once Daily Men's from Garden of Life at Vita Health Fresh Market. Empowering people to lead healthy lives, seven Winnipeg locations, and online at myvita.ca with a fully shoppable website and local delivery options. Wallace and Wallace are your go-to people for Winnipeg's fencing and overhead door needs. They've been leading the industry in serving residential and commercial customers since 1946. If you need the property, if your property needs the security and protection of a new fence, give them a call for vinyl, ornamental, welded wire, chain link, or wood fences. And if it's time to replace your garage door, Wallace & Wallace has Winnipeg's largest selection of overhead garage doors as well. Give them a call at 452-2700. The Wallace & Wallace team will arrange a time to come out and give you a free estimate. You can also visit them at wallacefences.com or pop down to their showroom on Lawson Road 
off of Keniston. Uh, fellas, how's the closet looking as we get into summer and wedding season? If you need to up your menswear game heading into these next few months, you need to get on down to F Apparel. Custom suits beginning at 400 bucks, but so much more, including chinos, golf pants, custom shirts, both tucked and untucked styles, and an incredible selection of menswear accessories. F has a 15% discount for wedding parties. If you and the guys are figuring out where to get your suits for the big day from, and if you got a 2023 high school grad, free custom shirt and tie with the purchase of a new suit for the young man as well. F Apparel's at 190 Smith Street downtown. Make an appointment or find out more online at F, that's E-P-H-Apparel.com. And a big shout out to Nick and Nikki DQ. If you missed the start of the show, talked a little bit about, um, you know, the unfortunate shuttering of the TSN station in Edmonton. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I did speak to the great support that we've had here in Winnipeg Sports Talks and starting, as well as some of the people that made this happen from day one. Nick and Nikki have been there um, before we ever did a show. We cannot thank them enough for their support of Winnipeg Sports Talk. Uh, they've got four locations in Winnipeg, DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park, DQ St. Anne's, and DQ Niverville. Winnipeg Sports Talk listeners have so great in supporting our sponsors I do suggest that the uh, Nick and Nikki DQ has been uh, the one people have enjoyed supporting the most. So get on down there for a blizzard. New summer blizzard flavors are there right now waiting for you. And thanks again to uh, Nick and Nikki for their great support of Winnipeg Sports Talk. All right, let's get uh, Billick in here. Lots to talk about with Scott. Scotty, what's going on? How are you? Oh, we got a mute situation here. Scott's muted himself. He's got to unmute himself. There we go. There we go. Yeah, we're good. Right on, right on. You remember how this works. What's up? Yeah, Yeah, not much. Yeah, no, it's a nice day out. Uh, I I got a little bit of sleep last night, so that's been good. Um, The the Diablo grind continues? It's been been a wild week. Uh, I was telling you at the game the other night at 4 or 5 o'clock in the morning some nights, so it's... uh, it was good to get maybe a couple extra hours of sleep last night. So, <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, whatever. It's fun. You won't have to. Uh, you won't have uh, any uh, NHL hockey for the next little while, taking up your time on yeah. the computer because the cup has been handed out, and the Vegas Golden Knights are Stanley Cup champs. Uh, how do yeah. you see it, Scott? I mean, you know, it's they're yeah. a polarizing team. They've only been in the league for six years. A lot of people that maybe feel like they didn't pay their dues or whatever. I mean, I just have to tip my cap to the way that they built that club, the moves that they've made, how aggressive they've been, and frankly, the courage that they've had in making some very, very tough and bold moves at times that with the ultimate goal that, you know, they feel it gives them a better chance to win the Stanley Cup. And they absolutely deserve the Stanley Cup over the course of these last two months. Yeah, I mean, name a team that would give away Max Pacioretty and Mark Andre Fleury coming off a of Vezina season for free, essentially, right? But this is the way the Vegas Golden Knights do business, and it's to me, it's admirable, right? I mean, here's a team that knows exactly what it wants and went for it, right? And and you know, Bill Foley, their owner, I mean, he he said early on, I mean, he wants to win the Stanley Cup. They nearly did it in their first year, right? And then you know, it's been there's been some years where it hasn't been there, but they've consistently gone after good players and gotten them right. I mean, Jack Eichel, but you can go down the list of, of guys 
that they've got. They be, they built a defense that is basically, uh, what do you call them, dancing bears, essentially, right? You know, a bunch of big dudes that can also move and, and, and are good. So they, they built an NHL caliber, like a playoff caliber, Stanley Cup winning caliber defense on that team and then just populated that roster with player after player of high quality. You know, and I, I think that's what it is. I mean, you, you can say, you know, I've heard it all, right? I mean, tax-free obviously plays a part, you know, the, the circumventing the cap. Every team in the league can circumvent the cap if they want to, right? It, it, that's available to every team in the league. If you want to stash three guys every year on LTIR and, and, and figure out how to spend more money, go for it. But not every team is willing to do that. We know here in Winnipeg that Kevin Cheveldev hates LTIR hell. Right, that's the reason why they traded Brian Little. You don't accrue cap space over the season, but for some teams, Tampa, Vegas, um, they're willing to do that to to bolster the roster the best way that they possibly can. I, I, to I be have clear, though, to be clear though, it was a it. unique situation. Like we all know that Tampa oh, sure. held off putting Kucherov back Kucherov, in, yeah. and it certainly played into their uh, into their hands. The Mark Stone thing, I mean, there was no guarantees he was going to come back and be the player that we saw in the playoffs. I mean, nope. he had back surgery this season. Yep. I I, I kind of, I hear that a lot from folks. And I mean, I sort of get where they're going. Would I agree that, you know, maybe the NHL should just have certain He was ready for game one, rules? right? Like, yeah, like. I guess the thing but, I mean, with the Mark he, was Stone he? thing. For I me, mean, do we do we remember well, what we said it, about right? Mark Stone in Game One? Right, it it was a tough one. Yeah. So I mean, part of that was like you know he hasn't played in five months, right? I think he was out since what January, mid January is when yeah. he went out. He had surgery at the end of January. I agree with you, right? I mean, I I, I agree. I, but again, these are loopholes, and if you're if you're looking to win in these leagues, and in, in all these leagues, right? You, you're trying, but even doing this doesn't guarantee you. Cup success, right? I mean, Vegas. This is the first time they won it. It's not the first time they've circumvented circumvented the cap by 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 doing that. Tampa, I mean, obviously won two back to back, but they've done this over and over again too, and, and it doesn't guarantee you success. Just in the same way that these super teams in the NBA don't always guarantee you success, right? Denver this year it wasn't necessarily a super team in the NBA, but. It didn't matter. They just had a good players. You, you see the Yankees do this. I mean, baseball has this weird kind of soft cap, but if you, you go over it, you pay this luxury tax. Well, the Yankees do that all the time, right? But they don't win the World Series every year. It, it's not necessarily always about that. You still have to have the right mix of players. You have to be playoff built, especially in the NHL. It is a long slog. You saw what Vegas looked like you know, in game one of, of the first round. And but but this is a team that just just got better as it went, and they and the biggest thing to me for them is like they're like a Carolina, right? To me, they have such a good defense that you don't need a stud goaltender. And and I, Aiden Hill played really well, but they also you know uh, Laurent Brassois played really well in the first round. Then he gets hurt. Obviously, Aiden Hill comes in, does what he needs to do. Uh, but it, it's just a team that is so deep. And so, you know, yeah, I always compare it to the team that I cover here with, in, in the Winnipeg Jets. And, I mean, it's, it's, they're not in the same level, right? They're not in the same dimension right now in terms of the way that Vegas is built. But Vegas has really been aggressive in the way that they've built their team. And they have an identity. And, and you know, I think that's one of the things that's really propelled them. Like, and, and, you know, yeah, they can go out and buy, and that's a great place to be. But I think there's a lot of places, you know, teams that, that can do that. It is 
part of it is being willing to do what they're doing. They they are spending a lot of extra money um, to do it. Um, you know, are, you know, people will say, "Are you buying a cup?" Whatever. I, I don't technically agree with that. I mean, that's a lot of money to spend. But um, listen, the yeah, Leafs would, not, the Leafs well, would have more than one playoff series in forever if it was just about money right. and assets. I mean, you need right, to make the right the, decisions. Yeah. I mean, the Leafs have been stacked up front for years, right? It, it, but this is the thing. it's You, you can't buy a Stanley Cup. You, you literally still have to make a team that that has the capability of, of actually winning it on the ice. You can you can spend $30 million on Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner, and and, and John Tavares and, and have great scoring and all that. But if those guys go, you know, if those guys don't score in the playoffs or whatever, or, if they, you know, if they, if they go MIA in the second round like they did this year, what do you do? I mean, you you have to be able to win almost multiple ways, and we saw that through Vegas throughout because they got scoring. It wasn't just the Chandler Stevenses and the Marchessos scoring. Brett Howden had some big goals, right? I mean, you go down up and down that lineup. Well, well exactly. All those guys I, were scoring. Right? Like, like, so. like, look look at this team right now, and it's easy to say, well, look, they went and they got Eichel. Well, they did get Eichel. Eichel's available yep. the rest of the NHL. He had a ten million dollar contract. That probably yeah. scared some people off. There was a lot of people that were scared about his surgery. They yeah. said, this is the guy that can get us over the top, and they made the deal. A deal that I think is going to work out well for Buffalo as well. Yeah. Uh, but Jack Eichel's a Stanley Cup champ, and we can talk about the free agent signing of Peter Angelo for sure. But this team, like Brett Howden, as you mentioned, another Manitoban, Keegan Colasar. Nick Roy, Will Carrier, who was an original misfit that has just been around. I mean, Amadio. Uh, and then you look at the defense, the one player that is on their team that was drafted, Nick Haig, yeah. having an impact. And, uh, I mean, to me, Zach Whitecloud's story oh, is just yeah. it, it is, it is phenomenal. Yeah. And, you know, thinking about what he, how he conducted himself and what he had to say earlier in the playoffs after – the John Anderson incident yeah. and hearing him last night speak about how proud he is of where he comes from yeah. and his culture. I mean, this is a young man that not only has an incredibly bright future as a defenseman for the number one team in the national hockey league, but I think in a lot of ways could be, and it is on the way, if not already to being a young indigenous icon um, yeah. that will inspire many right here in our province. And, um, you know, bringing it back. We've talked a lot about Manitobans and, you know, the lack of sort of that player on the Winnipeg Jets. Yeah. Kelly McCrimmon, man. I mean, he's the guy that believed in Mark Stone. And, and I had some guys that were all over Stone in my mentions last night going, uh, you know, like, what do you mean? Uh, you guy hates Winnipeg. I'm like, what do you mean, man? Like, he'll be back. The cup's going to be a breezy bend. People are going right. to be having yeah. I mean, like, he is a Winnipeg guy. But then the cause, well, yeah. he didn't love Winnipeg enough to to sign here. Guys, Vegas, this this goes back to it. They went and made the deal. Now, listen, did everyone in the NHL think Stone was going to be signing with Vegas? Absolutely. Did he have a long-term connection with basically a mentor for his that was the GM? Yeah. And the other thing was that they put nine and a half sheets in front of him for eight years and got the deal done. Like, uh, you know, Kelly Kelly is an architect of this team, a guy that absolutely deserves it, deserves a ton of credit as well. But um, there are some lessons to be learned, and we know what a copycat league this league is. So here's yeah. my question to you, Scott. 
at a time going into the draft where there are, especially here in Winnipeg, some pretty big-name players that are available to other teams around the league, do you think the fact that Vegas took those big swings and made trades like the Eichel trade and the other ones that we've talked about, do you think that will nudge more conservative general managers into taking that big swing over the course of the next year, trying to emulate the courage that Vegas had with some of their moves and obviously wanting to emulate the result of their season that ended last night. Yeah, I mean, I think we have to, I think we have to, um, we have to point out the reality in Vegas that it is easier for Vegas to attract certain, a caliber of player, right? I mean, I, I think we can't, I mean, that is sort of the, for sure. uh, the elephant in the room, whatever that you want to say, right? The Jets are but, in the NHL. Yeah. I mean, honestly, you 100%. can't just say, oh, well, we couldn't get oh, anything no. done because we're Winnipeg. Oh, I mean, no. I, I hate that excuse. I, I think that is the worst and, excuse. And, and to in, their credit, the Jets have never done that. They've never said that out as much as, I mean, I, I think at times they their hands are strung. But, I mean, you got to deal with it. And listen, yeah, no, for sure. That, right? And I mean, right? listen, I mean, they can't. did put together a team that was very much a Stanley Cup contender for a few years ago and had a chance to win. Not everyone wins. Um but again, where they're at, there's a lot more work to do. But I yeah. wonder how this resonates around the league for some guys that have maybe have sat on their hands a bit more than uh, certainly Kelly McCrimmon did. Well, if if if, if nothing else, I, I think you look at this team, and to me, it, it's all about their defense, right? Like I look at that team, that defense, and what they're they were willing to do. I mean, all the block shots, all that stuff. They play a style of hockey that is so good in the playoffs. And I think if you're, if you're a GM, you know, like, okay, maybe I can't go out and sign Jack Eichel or a, a player like that, but I can build a defense like that. It doesn't have to be. I mean, don't get me wrong. Alex Petrangelo is a great player. I, I personally, I'm a big fan of Shea Theodore's game. Um, Alec Martinez is a Stanley cup winner, but I mean, it, it's not like they're, they're, they're stacked with like the headmans and the Sergachevs and all that. Like there's, they are. They're stacked in a certain way, but they're built the right way. I mean, all those guys are six feet or bigger and 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 beefy, but they can move the puck. It's it's not just size, right? Like, I mean, I don't want to take a shot at Logan Stanley or anything like that, but it, they're it, it's a rounded out game, right? It, it's not just size or being able to skate. It's both, and 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 they they've done a really good job at that. And so, to me, if you're going to copycat any of this, because you know, getting an Eichel and that. Maybe not the easiest thing to do, but it's it it's just it's depth too, right? I mean, you look up and down that lineup; they've found guys that are willing to play certain roles and excel in those roles, right? You look at the Colasarts, you look at the the Brett Howdens, the William Carriers, all those guys, right? There's and then they made some shrewd moves, getting Ivan Barbashev, maybe one of the best you know signings at the deadline that there that there was, right? I mean. I I look at the team and I just think you know if one guy was missing from that lineup. They had a guy that was relatively equal that they could put in, and there wasn't any drop-off. And there's a lot of teams in these playoffs as you go that you can say that about. Um, but Florida, I mean, you could see not having Matthew Kachuk last night was a was a problem. Um, you know, he's the heart and soul of that team. And so you think about that. I mean, the times that the Jets lost Mark Shifley in two back-to-back playoffs, right? Um, in, in well, I mean, you know, the, the bubble that's not technically playoffs, but you know what I mean. Like, not when when your team is built around one or two big guys, and and one of those guys gets injured, it's difficult. You even saw that this year with losing Josh Morrissey. 
Um, so to me, the copycat here is, is depth. I mean, you just need to have a deep team. And, and even then, that doesn't guarantee you anything. It's not like Vegas hasn't been deep before. Um, I mean, last year, what, did they miss the playoffs? Yeah, there's a few year, other right? deep teams in the so, league. There's like, only one team that's partying tonight. Yeah, exactly, right? I mean, that, that's the thing. But at the end of the day, you have to build the best team that you possibly can. I mean, one of the things I was, I was listening to, I, I don't know what I was listening to this morning, but part of it was, you know, one of the things that McCrimmon does, is like, I, I, I'm going to get a bunch of good players, and then we're going to make it work. And that's what they did. They, they got a bunch of good players. They filled in some really good roles in the bottom six. Um, and, and But they gave those guys – the other thing, too, that I saw with Vegas is, like, those guys felt just as much a part of that team as any guy in the top six, right? And maybe that's because they just played really well. But it seemed, it seemed excuse me, it seemed like a lot of these guys were just very much engaged with And winning obviously helps that and all that sort of thing. But even in some of the rounds where, you know, they lost a few games, like you look back to the Edmonton round where they – you know, some a couple nights there, they got blitzed, and and it, it always felt like all those guys on Vegas were always pulling in the same direction. Um, and there was one clear goal; it was a Stanley Cup, and that's the only thing they kept their focus on. And you know, it, yeah, it's interesting. But they 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 had a good mix too, right? I mean, Phil Kessel didn't play a whole lot, but Phil Kessel has won two Stanley Cups. I mean, there, there, there's something to be said about that veteran acumen. Obviously, they've had guys on the back end like. Petrangelo, Alec Martinez, who won cups too. Um, those guys helping out the, the Zach White Clouds of the world, as you mentioned earlier. What a great story, by the way, just to kind of echo what you said. Um, and and the thing about Zach White Cloud to me, I mean, this is here's a guy who's undrafted, right? An undrafted guy that that's playing in the top four of a, a of a Stanley Cup winning team, and 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 leaned on at times. Like I, I think I think Zach White Cloud has been a brilliant pickup by then, and that, that's part of that is. Is scouting and, and knowing and I, I, well, the stat was was it like sixty seven percent of the players on the Vegas Golden Knights were 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 WHL players right like I, I wonder and I'm not one of these guys conspiracy theorists thinking that you need all these Canadian players but you 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 look at the WHL schedule and they play seventy odd games every year I think it's down to maybe sixty eight now but then they play all the playoff games and and they have the Memorial Cup and all that stuff too. I mean, these guys are already playing a schedule at times that that sort of mimics the 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 NHL one in the way in in volume. Let's say, I mean, you don't have the long bus rides and all that stuff, but it gets you ready. I mean, to hey, me, the, the bottom line is, is a little, well, whatever, for sure, so. the bottom. And listen, there's a lot of Canadians that end up going and playing the college schedule. Hundred yeah. percent. Here's the bottom line, and I am the same way. And <laughs> I, we talked about this last week. And I've always been one, listen, just get me the best player. I don't care what their passport sure. is. Yeah. I will say this, though. It is getting hard to ignore the facts when we talk about the tournament, the Stanley Cup tournament. Um, we think about what St. Louis was in 2019 and how they pulled yeah. that together. That team yeah. was almost all Canadians. And completely different, right? Like they were a, a completely blue-collar team. And you wouldn't really look at that, that St. Louis team and say, I mean, obviously they had Petrangelo, but you know, it wasn't like they had like sixteen studs on that team. They just had a lot of blue collar guys. Oh, it was one to that 12. really gelled and went grind yeah. the hell out of you. I mean, guys that made exactly. things happen. Yeah. And I mean, this this team has two Americans on it, an American team, two, Jack yeah. Eichel and Alec Martinez. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, you talk about Big, yeah Mark Stone, 
Marcia yeah. So, Smith, Roy. I mean, go down the list. I mean, yeah. there, it, there's a lot of Canadian passports in that room. It's just yeah. what I'm saying. And I'm not sure that that is a coincidence now that we're having another conversation about a team that's loaded with those sorts of players. And be interesting yeah. to see how that may resonate with where the Jets go forward when it comes to their picks and who they're trying to get. Speaking of the Jets, and I know yeah. you've got a piece right now. People should read it over at The Sun, and Scott's posted it on uh, on his Twitter page if you want to click the link about, you know, whatever our word we're using today about the situation <laughs> with the Winnipeg oh, I Jets. <laughs> I want to play something for you that yeah. you probably haven't heard. And and this is interesting. You know, often when the insiders go on some of the uh, the shows, you know, we get, you know, we get the clips immediately put out and everyone's mm-hmm. talking about it. I was up late last night um, watching well, a bunch of the aftermath of the cup final and I threw TSN on and Drager came out of, he was on the panel, I guess, and he was the one who uh, drew the short straw to sit down with Onrate afterwards on the Jay Onrate show. So it was a longer segment, but they did touch on the Jets for a couple minutes. And uh, this is, uh, listen to this, and, and we'll talk about what what you're hearing. Uh, and I'll preface this with knowing that Drager is the guy that seemingly is the most tightly connected to Shevel Dayoff. So when Drager speaks, I really feel like this is sort of a message to all of us from Winnipeg Jet Management. Um, here's Drager from last night's uh, Sports Center with Jay Onright. The big four that pot- could potentially all go. You know, you talk about Hellbuck, you talk about Wheeler, you talk about Shifley, and of course Pierre Luc Dubois. Um, any any closer to figuring out where where Chev- what Chevy's feeling? I mean, he he probably can't trade all of them. No. Uh, but certainly there's a couple that have indicated they don't want to sign long-term, and now yeah. it seems like he's got a lot of work ahead of him. Well, and look, I mean, we're talking about Connor Halbuck and Pierre-Luc Dubois, you know, in terms of, of those who maybe don't want to stay and aren't committing long-term. Um, however, they haven't committed to trading those guys or extending anyone for that matter either. But when you look at Halibut and you look at Pierre-Luc Dubois, you know, you have to get maximum value back if you're trading top-end players, and those guys are top-end. Uh, is that more likely in the off-season? History tells us it is, because yeah. once you get into the season, then you're really hamstrung by the salary cap and all of those other things. But we've also speculated on Mark Chifley, what's going to become of him. Then you have Blake Wheeler, and there's buyout speculation around him. So there's opportunity for a significant renovation or retool, use whatever R word you choose, for the Winnipeg Jets. But they feel like they've got to stay as competitive as they possibly yeah, can. Yeah, they don't want to do a full-on no. rebuild. And look, I don't know that the fan base wants that either, yeah. right? They want to they want to feel like the team is is still going to be super competitive. When you're peddling those sorts of assets out there, that's why it's tricky business, Jay, is because... This isn't going to be one of those historic, I don't think, anyway. Okay, well, we need a top prospect or a young NHL player and draft picks. Yeah. Well, it could be part of that, but they need NHL players to come back so that they can stay as competitive as they need to. All right, so there's Dregs last night. And a couple things that just jumped out at me from that. First of all, first time I've ever heard someone like Drager that's that connected to the Winnipeg Jets publicly mention a buyout for Blake Wheeler. That one was a little yep. surprising. That That's not something I think is plan A, and I'm not sure that it was plan B, but yeah. put it this way, after hearing him mention it that way on that segment, 
I'm thinking that potentially that is more of a possibility if there is not a trade, and I think that is going to be difficult. The other thing, Scott, um, is that it certainly seems, and I don't, I'll be honest, full disclosure, I don't agree with this, that Mm -hmm. there is a sentiment that, you know, if the team traded some of these players more for futures, things that might not really come to fruition this season and more in a year or two or three, that that would go over poorly with the fan base. I mean, yeah. I don't say this is a season ticket holder. I mean, I'm in for next year already. They got, you know, I'm, I'm paid. They've got my money. I'm going to be there. Like, I want to see, like, coming out of all of this, I would just like to have a much clearer vision for where this team is going for. And, and, and you know, you only get opportunities to trade these players. Um, well, not you. very yeah. rarely will you be in a situation like this. And I think there's tons of opportunity. But, you know, for Dregs to say you can't trade them all, actually, you can trade them all. If we're talking about those four players right now, I think yeah. there's absolutely the possibility that those could, deals could happen because I think they're being forced into the two guys that they don't really want to trade, and that's Dubois and Hellebuck. Hellebuck yeah. And I think it's quite <clears throat> clear from hearing what we're hearing about Shifley and Wheeler that I think that's necessary for this team to be able to move forward under Rick Bonus into a sort of a new era, a 3.0 era, if you will, for the Winnipeg Jets. Yeah, I mean, I, I totally agree with you. I mean, I, I think, I mean, and, and I wrote yesterday, like, I mean, for me, rebuilding doesn't have to be take it right down to the studs. Like, I mean, I think, and and this the way I kind of explained it is like you can rebuild, but like I I don't think the the on ice product necessarily needs to be rebuilt as much as the off ice like cultural rebuilding that needs to go on here. And really, what needs to happen is because the torch really didn't get past last year was stripping the captaincy from Blake Wheeler. In my opinion, he needs to be removed from the situation so that the younger guys the guys that you really want to give this team to you can actually give the team to them right we found out during the the exit interviews and i use your word relitigation because i love i love that word it was just a great word and i used it yesterday i did I'd steal that from your house but um i like and i'm not trying to relitigate right now but you you look at that that exit interview meeting and we knew exactly who the captain of that team was he didn't have to have a c and, and maybe we should have read about that, read, read into that a little earlier, but we knew who the captain was, and it was Blake Wheeler still. And I think that there's just been this cloud over this team for a while now where there just hasn't been able to let the other guys underneath the Wheeler's kind of shapely umbrella really take this team and, and, and move it in a different direction. And, and so in my opinion, both of those guys need to go. And, and I agree with you. Like, I mean, maybe... I, I was sort of reading in between the lines on what Drager said there. You can't trade them all. Probably can't trade Blake Wheeler, as you kind of alluded to, but you certainly can buy him out. And honestly, like, I mean, people have said, oh, well, that's not the nice thing to do. Whatever. I think it's the best thing for Blake Wheeler because he gets to pick his spot to go try and win a Stanley Cup next year, signing for a league minimum deal or a million dollars or whatever. We've seen this with Corey Perry, a bunch of guys, right? You can list off a ton of guys. Um, you know, to me – this team needs to change. If you're going to rebuild it, that's fine. And and I don't think, and as you said, as a season ticker holder, I don't think there's actually that 
much against that. I think what people want at the end of the day is to go watch a game. And remember back to the 2016-17 season, right? The team didn't make the playoffs year, but it was an exciting team to watch. And I think that, you know, it was still selling out every game at that point. I think you get back to that exciting brand of hockey where you go to the game every night and you feel like you got your money's worth and you feel like you actually, you know, there's a team on the ice that cares about it and they're not going to mail it in that night. Or, you know, there's just, there's a way that you can build this team where it, 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 it mimics Winnipeg, right? Where, where, you know, you, you lean into what this city is about, what the fans like, what the fans are about. I mean, to me, you, I mean, it, it, it's no easier to me than look at Nino Niederreiter. And I wrote yesterday that they need to re-sign him. I understand that they can't re-sign him to July 1st. But that my point was that's the type of player that you want. You, you can get a few of those guys who are like, yeah, I mean, I like it here. This city isn't as bad as its reputation well, or whatever. there's going to be some real opportunity and for guys here too. I mean, that that's the other thing. Agreed. I mean, right? you know, with, depending on what happens with these deals, um, you know, you're going to have – Certainly a huge opportunity for a goaltender to step up and become a number one and show that he is, you know, legit, you know, NHL guy that can win you hockey games. Yeah. And if you're a center somewhere that's been stuck behind a couple of, you know, veteran guys with big money contracts and know that that spot's not going to be there, there will be that here. I mean, yes, yeah. there's pros and cons to every situation. Um, but I do think that, you know, depending on what happens, you know, with the player moves right now, you know, you could see an influx of people, some new blood and some new opportunities for guys that are already here right now. Doug yeah. Phil, just with a chat, with a comment in here, Chevy and TNSC too loyal to buy out Wheeler. Not going to happen. Sorry, Billick. Doug, I will remind you that they bought out Mark Stewart in the final year of his deal. Maybe even with and- two years left, certainly with one. And Mark Stewart was as beloved a guy to true North and all the people were talking about. So, um, and, and here's here's the other thing to that, is that I think more than anything that this team is more self-aware now than it ever has been. Hundreds percent. And because I, I, even if it's been forced, but if you look at the last year, last year and a half or whatever, right? Paul Maurice walks out on the team. That, that, that sends shockwaves, right? This team couldn't fire him, so he essentially had to fire himself. Dave Wheeler, or Dave Wheeler, Dave Lowry, sorry, um, comes in, it doesn't work with him. You can see now starting some of the cracks in in the foundation of this team because it's not working with Shifley and, and Dave Lowry. Um, you know, I didn't seem like Wheeler was on board with that. You bring in a new coach. Now you realize that the new coach can't fix this team either because there's problems still with the same couple players that it's just not working out. So if nothing else, this team has been exposed for where the weaknesses are in this team, and you have to do something about it. If you, I, and we, we've talked about this. You've said it on your show a number of times. I don't know how Blake Wheeler goes back into that locker room next year, if 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 Rick Bonus is your head coach. I, I just I, I can't fathom what that looks like. And imagine like how this team is going to be talked about if Blake Wheeler and potentially even Mark Shifley are back. Based on how it ended last year, like I, I don't, I don't understand how that works. And so, if this Jets team has learned anything from the the, the mayhem that's been around here over the last couple of seasons and even the last whatever, you have to go in a different direction, right? It's a dead end road right now. And at some point, you would hope because I mean, this is the mandate that Kevin Chevaldev has been given by Mark Chipman. So, 
I would imagine you would think that they have to find a different direction because you could tell that it's just not working. And, and Connor Hellebuck, to me, it was a soundbite of that whole end of year stuff was Connor Hellebuck basically said on a thing that, you know, maybe this isn't the right mix of players. It's not. I mean, I, I think it's, it's very evident. That this is not that was the, the right most salient point and the thing the that made the most sense about the entire exercise. And so, anyways, to me, to me, it's weekend. just like you have to, you don't have a choice anymore, right? You have made your bed here and now you really have to sleep in it. You, you, you can't really get out of this one. You have to change what this team looks like. And buying out Blake Wheeler, having that option, even having that option, is a blessing for this team because you, and, and, and and if at the end of the day you can't trade him, you can't retain whatever, then you have this fail safe where you can just you know press the button, boom, he's bought out, that's it. You each go your separate ways. At the end, they were missing twenty five hundred people this year in the seats house on some games. Like you can't go back with the same thing. Like you yeah. want to talk about fan apathy? I mean, I mean, we saw it. We saw it in the stands. You saw it with people on the wall. You can't go back with this same team and expect a different result. And we call that insanity, the definition of insanity. It would be truly insane to go into next season with some of these same names that 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 I think have been more of a problem and, and we're finding out now, or we found out that maybe these are the guys, a couple of them at least, that have held this team back from being what it can be because you have this, you have Kyle Connor, you have Nikolai Ehlers, you have Josh Morris, you have Adam Lowry. Like to me, I look at that core and you, you supplement it with guys like Brendan Dillon, who really have a good grasp of what a good team looks like and good leadership looks like, having played for uh, under Joe Pavelski and, and Joe Thornton and all that sort of thing. So I, I just, to me, I, I don't see any other way. Sorry about that. I don't see any other way kind of around it. So. I don't know. I, I, I just I, I can't fathom in my head of them kind of running it back with either of those guys. So the the funny thing uh, about it all is that, you know, we've had all this conversation. We're talking about those big four. Of course, the four that everyone's talking about, you know, and Drager's talking about last night. We haven't even talked about the blue line. <laughs> there's yeah, a whole a whole big topic on yeah, that. But we'll mean, do that lot, next right? week. Yeah. We'll do that next yeah. week. Scotty. As always, great to have you on the program, man. Take it easy. Good luck on yeah. your continued progress in Diablo 4, and uh, maybe we'll see you at the Seabirds tomorrow night. Yeah, I'll be there tomorrow night. I'll, yeah, we'll see you in the, in the press row there. Thanks so much. Oh, yeah. There's Scott Billick yeah. from uh, the Winnipeg Sun. Uh, man, really looking forward to our next little chat with Feinberg after his big week at Oakdale. we got to get to the U.S. Open as well. Um, but don't forget, folks, next uh, a week Thursday is the Bombers' next game at home against the BC Lions. Should be a great one. Thursday nighter. Don't forget, the Princess Auto Tailgate Zone opens half an or two hours before every Bomber game. 350 pop, 350 hot dogs, $5 beers, great entertainment. My pal DJ Finesse spinning. It certainly is the place to be, so get there early and join us at the Princess Auto tailgate before every Winnipeg Blue Bombers game. Princess Auto, of course, is where you'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around. Everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. Um, our friends at Consolidated Supply right now are uh, taking care of uh, all needs when it comes to irrigation 
for both golf courses and homeowners and landowners. If you've got irrigation needs, you got to give our pal Joe a call over at Consolidated Supply. They've also got things like artificial turf. New and used golf carts is the exclusive club car dealer in Manitoba and other great options for your property, including hot tubs and amazing outdoor kitchen options. And, of course, they're the leaders in small engine parts and repair. Pop by and see them at Consolidated Supply Showroom, open to the public at 1395 Niagara Road East, or find out more online at cte.ca. Um, the gang at Royals getting ready to roll it out again. More stock in and we got another tent sale coming up on Saturday and Sunday. Get on down there, 10 a.m. Saturday morning for all the latest incredible deals. Minimum 55 per, 50% off and thousands of shoes in around $25. All the great brands they have at Royal will be available. There's nothing quite like a Royal Sports tent sale this Saturday and Sunday down at 750 Pemina Highway. And, of course, you'll be outside checking out everything, getting cleared out. Inside, check out soccer, baseball, softball, tennis equipment, tons of disc golf, and a huge selection of bikes as well. And listen, just before we talk to Feinberg about the U.S. Open, I'm already getting ready for Friday night because there's no more hockey playoffs. There's no more uh, basketball playoffs fully into CFL season. And of course, now we've got the U.S. Open in prime time. I think it might be a great night to get to your local BP. Fire up bombers on one screen with the sound. Pay attention to what's happening at LACC in the U.S. Open. And no better place to do that than Boston Pizza. Enjoy your ice-cold schooners, world-famous BP wings, gourmet pizzas, and the latest from the BP feature menu. And heck, staying in tonight... Or on the weekend, you can always get the great taste of Boston Pizza by ordering online to bostonpizza.com. All right, let's get uh, Feinberg in here. Bit of a victory lap after an incredible week at Oakdale last week for the RBC Canadian Open. He joins us now, the man that dominated Second only to Nick Taylor, maybe, uh, last week. Feinberg, what's up? How uh, <laughs> I had so much fun just following your antics, and uh, you were the unofficial host of that tournament. Uh, was it? Uh, did it live up to everything you hoped it would be playing a home game with the stars of the PGA Tour? Yeah, so as you joked, I kind of did play unofficial ambassador us. You know, like people lo- walking around look lost. I kind of helped them find their way. Saw some garbage on the ground. I just said, you know what? No one's going to do it. I got to do it. Uh, So it was incredible. And, you know, what was probably safely to assume just going to be a week that would live in, like, club history ended up being a week that is now an iconic Canadian sporting moment. So, yeah, what an incredible, incredible week. You know, both of us able to smile afterwards because I saw a few hundred bucks just get burnt in front of my face because, of course, we were on Tommy Fleetwood <laughs> um, when uh, when that putt went in. Um, but, man, I-, I mean, the scene, the spectacle, the drama, 72 feet for Eagle in an atmosphere. And, I mean, you tell us what it was like to be there because it really did seem like it was a combination of Ryder Cup and President's Cup Sure as hell didn't look like an average week on the PGA Tour. Yeah, no, it was just an incredible, it was an incredible scene there. And you mentioned it, to see players like Rose and Hatton and Lowry Greenside and that, the troop of Canadians there, it gave you all those vibes. And 
you know, the crowd cheered for two missed Tommy putts that could have won it, I believe, on, on earlier playoff holes, much like a Ryder Cup. Like, the crowd was cheering, and they were happy. They were, like, cheering when Tommy would hit bad shots in the playoff as well. <laughs> and that's something you don't normally see. Where were you for the playoff? Um, Take us through. I mean, first of all, where were you for 18? Because I think any of us with Fleetwood tickets thought this is a layup birdie for Tommy. This is a great run by Nick Taylor, but this is about to get closed out. Um, take us through. Were you in and around 18? Were you able to, to see it close up? So I was in and around 18, but I, I may have made a decision. I got myself in a good spot. Like I sort of averted security. I snuck around the 10th hole to get into the back of the parking lot, which would put me on the other side of spectators alone when players were walking off the green. Like that's sort of what I was there to do. Was there to be there when Tommy won and then we were going to have a moment. And we had a nice moment when he lost, but we were going to, I was going to be a bloke for the evening Huss if like that thing actually went down. So I kind of just put myself in a spot to get, and I could see 18 green, but that's, I couldn't see anything else of the hole. Couldn't see anything else. What, uh, what, what was it like when Taylor's putt went in? I mean, the energy around that, I'm sure it was like an earthquake. Oh uh, yeah. It was insane. It was insane. I didn't have an angle like to actually see the puck, the, the puck. Wow. The ball go in the hole. I saw the flag though, but the eruption, like, yeah, like a volcanic eruption. Uh, you just knew that thing went in and this thing was over. I had no look of Nick, though, sort of, when he hit that putt because he was on the bottom of the green. I, yesterday, um, at the clubhouse, they pretty much marked every Nick Taylor shot from the final round. There's, like, a Canada flag, like, stuck in the ground of the fairway or on the green from pretty much every single shot he took in that round. I don't know what their the future plans are. I don't know what we're supposed to do. You can't put a plaque on a green. That just seems <laughs> for golf not an ideal thing. Maybe like there's just a permanent maple leaf astroturf not like turf spot on the grass. I, I'm not really sure what our plan is to commemorate that exact location. What was uh, I? I saw you played the course yesterday. I mean, is it still basically in Canadian Open? Um form i mean as far as for the the rough and everything like that and, and i mean how would you compare playing it the way the pros did as to your usual uh, round when you get out with the fellas uh in the rough is like a two-shot penalty for them sometimes it's like a half-shot penalty for us is a two-shotter uh i played it i played quite well i played farther back than i normally play um but we got rained out after 12 uh, so that was a little disappointing, but before we walked off, we did go to 18 to sort of have fun and try to hit that pot, but the rough is up and I'm not going to lie, Huss, like I need them to cut it ASAP. <laughs> it's just not like, we're so proud the tournament happened and we were happy to set it up for them. But I promise you folks, like my dad, like they're like, they, they want that rough cut. Like immediately they want the golf. They want to be able to hit golf shots again, you know, member play, I guess. As you yeah, would get their get their golf course back. Uh, I'll be honest. I think most Canadian golf fans weren't really aware of Oakdale before this. And you're exactly right. I mean, this wasn't just something that was incredible for that club. Um, 
everyone, not just here in Canada, knows about that course as well. What do you think the long term, um, like sometimes big, you know, clubs like your own will get an event like that and then like, okay, well, that was fun, but we don't want to do it again. Um, are we going to be seeing more of Oakdale when it comes to, um, you know, the PGA Tour events north of the border? So we're on the schedule for 2026, which would also be Oakdale's 100th anniversary. But they're also ha- it has to pass a member vote, I guess, around Christmas this year for that to happen. It's only worth noting that St. George, who's supposed to host in 25, had that wonderful event the year previous with Rory and Rose and Fino battling. Their members at Christmas this past year said, nope, we're out. They didn't want to do it again. Really? Um, so I'm nervous, but I think it was such a great moment. And Hustler, I got a bit of a vindictive soul. So the most like no campaigners at the club for this event, I got pictures of them having a ball. Like they're having a ball. Okay. There's this one guy who was the hardest no campaigner. We had a members area around nine green every time. And I was like a chicken with my head cut off the whole week. I was all over property every time. I stepped foot in that area. This guy was front row, like, like, po- like blocking out for a rebound for his spot. I will, if this guy starts his campaign again, I will intentionally book tee times in front of him for the rest of my life and play as play JB home slow. <laughs> I didn't know where to be. And you could say I'm vindictive. You're damn right. If he's going to try to convince people to vote, no, I will freaking do this i'm not kidding well i'll tell I you too, i have my own selfish reasons i won't deny that that's why i can't really be this people like you know but but like i i took advantage of the tournament that maybe my opinion doesn't matter but i'll make sure that people's you know i'll make sure this thing happens again i will <laughs> even if they ban me from the property next time Huss, i still want it to happen what do you mean ban you from the property you're going to give you a special outfit as the official greeter and ambassador host for oakdale for the uh, rbc canadian open it really was uh, amazing um you know the aftermath of it i think people are still talking about the putt uh and, and you know it was interesting we had zucchino on yesterday from lacc and he said it's unlike anything that he's ever seen. Like people are coming up to him and Graham Dillette and congratulating them as if they had won the tournament. And uh, it was quite clear that people around the world saw that. I mean, that was just not, it was such a unique atmosphere. And as I said, it was Ryder Cup. It was President's Cup. It was TV ratings through the roof. Huh? Oh, you saw those reports, but what a fantastic little thing. And, and you know, for all these little golf wars that we're currently in, you like these national opens. The, the U.S. Open is obviously on the pedestal, but the Canadian Open, the Scottish Open, the Italian Open, like there's such reverence around these events, and it was really great, I think, to what happened in Canada to sort of spotlight how special they are. And you can't make up prestige, but these events are prestigious. They have hundred-year histories. Yeah, and. I mean, listen, we'll we'll be talking about this for a long time here, but you know, you you mentioned, I mean, those other, I mean, the Scottish Open right before the Open Championships, obviously the U.S. Open this year, they are massive, massive events, and uh, ours got notched up a couple notches because of the great performance of, of Nick Taylor and uh, what was a, a thrilling, thrilling playoff. Um, no rest for the wicket, though, right in to the U.S. Open. It's major week, so we're killing two birds with one stone. 
Let me just quickly say, uh, folks, if you have not already listened, go to Mayo Media Network and check out Monday's pod where the guys make their picks. Tim's appearance on Monday was an absolute all-timer. Um, in between his very strange adoption of Liv early on, him picking the guys that Pat was going to pick and or cursing him and driving him nuts, and then your reaction to his pick of Wyndham Clark to win the tournament was just an all-time pod moment. And uh, I, I, I had the exact same reaction to you, as a matter of fact, which is part of the reason I love the pod, because it was so authentic. What is what is the Andrew Curse up to? Thank you for the shout-out for, for Mayo Media. And I think Pat has absolutely crushed it this week. From his DraftKings preview with Kenny and 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 Ben to me and Tim, and he had Rob Pozzola and Cam on for best bets, and we're doing a cut sweat, which will be like a Friday night gong show because yes. it feels like 10, 11 o'clock on Friday. So check that out if you're doing nothing on, on Friday night except watching golf and sweating the cut. Tim, I mean, he is taking a stand here, Hustler. He is saying he thinks the winning score is going to be minus 14, minus 15, which, which I mean, that's his opinion. And if he's right, he'll, he'll seem like a genius. But he is kind of being the opposite of every expert opinion this week. Tim is sort of planting a flag on the other side, which is exciting because, you know, well, like he can't, I guess he's just looking for all the credit here and maybe he will get it. His pick of Wyndham Clark is his gold pick to win and almost flew me off my chair. Like, <laughs> and I don't even know. I mean, I'm being serious. Huss. Like, I don't even know if Tim bets. So when he says that he's not even like saying, Oh, I like Wyndham because yes, those guys are better, but there's odds with Wyndham. This is like no odds involved. He picks Wyndham Clark to win. He, uh, <laughs> listen, he's one of a kind. And yes, there is, now, sometimes I do think it's a bit, and I believe you asked if it was a bit, but there is no bit. Maybe the bit is the entire the entire act and just his kind of drive you guys nuts. Bet. His best bet for the week is an albatross. <laughs> That's right. Yes, an, an albatross <laughs> to happen. And then, of course, Shag saying, hey, know your audience. Everyone needs to bet the other side on this. Um, you can't be getting the minus 100, but minus 100,000. Jeff Feinberg's with us. Uh, give him a follow on Twitter at gfeinberg17. And as I mentioned, you can check out uh, Jeff with Pat and Tim on Monday's uh, Mayo Media Network. And yes, as Jeff mentioned, there's a ton of great content, especially if you're firing up a DraftKings lineup or a uh, a better two for the weekend. And by the way, speaking of the DraftKings lineups, our DraftKings contest is open and going to be getting a couple extra little things from our friend Eric Johnson over at TaylorMade for the event. So if you haven't got in already, we've got 100 people capacity. Um, it's just a $3 tournament. Get in, reserve your spot before they tee off tomorrow. So Feinberg, I know it took a little longer to get into the groove of Major Week considering <clears throat> what you had going on last week, but uh First off, what should people know? If they haven't been paying attention, what do they need to know about this golf course and how it might be different from our traditional U.S. Opens, which are a murderous test of golf? It will remain a murderous test of golf, and you will need your entire golf bag to even contend this week, which is the beauty of it, Huss. But usually the U.S. Open, we go to places we've been to before, not to say there's a permanent rotation, but... 
we're not totally unfamiliar with the layouts. LA Country Club, and I'm not a course snob. Like when like top hundred courses in the world, I don't like deep dive that stuff. They just seem so off, you know, I don't know, so above my my level. This course, I've never seen anything like it before. We've never been here before. There was a Walker Cup here like five years ago, which is an amateur rider cup. Sort of like Chambers Bay. My first reaction was like just total fascination. And my course comp is in Chambers Bay, but you just look at it and you're like, I mean, I've watched golf on TV my whole life. I've played a few tracks, some nice ones, more munis. I have never seen anything that resembles anything like this. You got the Playboy Mansion off the 14th tee. No. I wonder if that'll be distracting at all for any of the players. What's going on there now, now that uh, things are a little different around the Playboy, uh, Playboy Empire? I honestly have no idea, but this is, I mean, there'll be opportunities to score. I think, you know, they'll, they will give them that, but there's a murderer's row here and the finishing stretch of 16, 17, 18. Uh, apparently we have wider fairways, harder greens to hit. My fascination is through the roof. Yeah. I, I cannot wait for it. And I think the visuals that it is going to be absolutely crazy, uh, especially with that primetime golf. Uh, before we go, who's getting a uh, who's getting a sprinkle from Feinberg this weekend? Uh, a couple of your guys that you think might win, and uh, maybe a guy or two that you think might provide some good value for uh, guys that are putting in their DraftKings lineups. I think John Rom wins. I have futures on Tony Finau and Cam and um, Victor Hovland, so I'm excited for those. Cam Smith, I bet because if this thing just plays to a total unknown and random and weird. I really like all the things he does, except off the tee. On a long shot, call me crazy, Huss. I'm not just putting air in your tires and our audience and your audience's tires and Canada's tires. Corey Connors. We just you're gonna have to. This is not gonna be a birdie party. We're just gonna hit the green, play it safe, dominate with your long irons, and you'll be in contention. Everyone likes to knock guys who contend a lot but don't win. But I look at guy like Connors, contends in so many big events, and I not even have to think these guys learn from that, you know? I think it could be a big week. Love it. Love it. And I actually love the Cam Smith pick as well. I'm, I'm on Cam, uh, and I thought Pat brought up a great point. I mean, you know, once you get that ball into the fairway and the drive is, is set, Who's better than Cam Smith in getting it into the hole from that point? Uh, and listen, if it's going to be more forgiving fairways, especially if with the put, if the putting and, and the short game is supposed to be so important, uh, Cam would be a guy. And um, listen, uh, a little more momentum for uh, for Liv. He did not start. He finished ninth at the PGA with like no form. He went to his Masters press conference and sort of admitted, like, I got to own that I won the Players' Championship. I won an Open Championship. I took the live golf money. It was a new normal for me, and I went to Australia and had the best time ever with <laughs> friends and family. Like, he, where he, and like, I didn't practice like I normally do in a setup for a season. It almost seemed like the Masters was his opening day. On that note, and then what I saw at the PGA, and then I look at this course as they do the flybys, Everyone is like goo-goo for, for Jordan Speed, and I get it. But on that same sort of level, for the magic power from nowhere, my money's on Cam Smith. 
Uh, I love it. Uh, dude, thanks for trucking through. I know you uh, seem maybe a little under the weather or just need a potential Heimlich maneuver, but uh, if I was closer, we'd uh, we'd give you the the reach in and make it happen. Uh, wh- when are you guys going on on Friday? And uh, just fill people in where they can find it. Yeah, so we'll hopefully announce a time tomorrow night, but there's just so many unknowns, Huss. The field is so large. They're going to be playing golf all day. We sort of just see what happens Thursday and then sort of pick our time from there. And you're right. I did get sick. I, I ran around all last week. I still tried to be a dad. And now I'm sort of paying the price for it. And you guys sort of saw it. I, I'm sorry about that. Hey, dude, no problem. It's my, <laughs> you. We always love having you on. Everyone in chat's fired up. They all love the content from last week as well. And can't wait for this tournament this week. Make sure that the, uh, that the taps are flowing for this cut sweat. Like, it's a Friday night. It should seem like a Friday night on the program. Maybe even uh, maybe even Tim tilts a, tilts a couple. Wouldn't that be a, a treat for uh, for everyone? Have, to have Pat spike his diet cokes. <laughs> DCs, you know it. Uh, thanks for doing this, pal. All the best. We'll talk to you soon, and uh, good luck with the sprinkles this week. Thanks, friend. There is our pal Jeff Feinberg. And G Freiburg 17 and that, yeah, check out the pods and Friday night should be a heck of a lot of fun. If you're uh, kicking around, I might be watching the bomber game and throw the cut sweat show on as well for the fellas. Um, Hey, our our friends at little Brown jug have uh, some pretty cool news right now. Uh, Saturdays. They've got a great event, recurring event. Last Saturday was the launch of the new weekly pop-up series. What's golden. Little Brown Jug and Shorty's Pizza have teamed up to bring new food and new DJs to the Little Brown Jug patio every Saturday from noon until sunset. From jerk chicken to brisket, we'll be grilling up something new and exciting every week, courtesy of Shorty's Pop-Up Kitchen. This Saturday, they're firing up the Cubano Sandwich. Love those. A vegan picadillo and Cuban corn salad. And uh, this week, it'll be DJ Ad Hoc with MC Love and Wanda G. Spend your Saturdays in the sun on the Little Brown Jug patio where you can enjoy enjoy all your favorite beers from day to night at our little urban oasis in the heart of the exchange. Stop by and see what the buzz is all about. That's Saturday at Little Brown Jug. I've got to give a shout-out to... Our friends at Breezy Ben just done another great golf segment. Cannot wait for the tournament to get going tomorrow. Of course, Breezy Ben, our partners, and I have a feeling the home of a Stanley Cup party very soon for one captain of the Vegas Golden Knights. Um, our friends at Breezy uh, you know, do have a waiting list going for next year. So if you're thinking about an incredible long-term golfing home for you and your family at one of Manitoba's top private clubs, Find out more. Give Corey Johnson a call at the um, at the clubhouse, or you can find out more online at breezybend.ca. And now that hockey season is over, officially, be a lot of people wanting to drop a line in the water, and there's no better getaway when it comes to fishing than Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge. There truly is nothing like the Aikens experience, folks. Only a few, a couple hours away from Winnipeg where you can be on the water after a short flight and taken in world-class fishing and even better, world-class hospitality from the incredible Aikens team. Find out more, AikensLake.com, about availabilities this year, booking already into 2024 for both friends and family trips and, of course, great corporate outings as well. 
Um, and we will get to our Assiniboia Downs picks in just a second. But uh, don't forget, Gold Eyes on the road this week. Uh, but coming back next week for another homestand. Check out goldeyes.com for all the upcoming promo nights and more. Uh, you can get group tickets there, ticket packages if you'd like. And uh, I know we were just talking about the Little Brown Jug events over on Saturday at LBJ, uh, but also a great spot to go and just eat incredible food, enjoy amazing local beers, as the Gold Eyes are now exclusively local with so many incredible beers to choose from, including our favorite, the Little Brown Jug generic. Um, we should get to some Assiniboia Downs picks as well, uh, but before we do that, Let's quickly get to the cool bet lines. A little quieter now with the cool bet lines because of uh, no more hockey or basketball. However, don't forget, NHL Draft, Winnipeg Sports Talk in Nashville beginning on June 17th, uh, June 26th, presented by our friends at Cool Bet. Can't thank them enough for their support of our program, allowing us to make that happen for our listeners. Um, but we do have some baseball tonight. Blue Jays taking on the Baltimore Orioles. This is a straight-up pick'em right now, folks. Jays and Orioles both minus 106 on the number. And uh, we did cook up a little lock shop exclusive today on a partner parlay. Three teams. We're going to go with the Blue Jays with Berrios on the hill. Yankees-Mets playing tonight. Uh, Garrett Cole versus Verlander should be a great one. I mean, Cole... Cole's numbers are way better than Verlander's, and the Mets stink. So let's take the Yankees on that one. And the D-backs are a favorite in uh, in their game a little later on tonight. The number was actually originally 120, and it has continued to grow throughout the afternoon. Um, the uh, D-backs right now, minus 130 favorites against the Phillies. So those three teams together we got a nice little boost from the fellas up to plus 650. You can check that in the Lock Shop exclusives. While you go there, check out all of our exclusives for the U.S. Open. We've got a Make the Cut parlay. We've got a Top 20 parlay. And, of course, all of our picks are on yesterday's Lock Shop if you want to check out our outrights for the event. Huge thanks to CoolBet for their support of Winnipeg Sports Talk and, of course, our draft shows. And you can also take a look at the odds for the NHL Draft. And I wouldn't be surprised if we'll have futures for next season come up on CoolBet very soon as well. Uh, all thanks to our friends at CoolBet. Use the promo code WST if you're signing up for a 100% bonus on your first deposit up to $200. Uh, all right, Remo, track time. You missed yesterday. I was uh, not good yesterday. Did you? Uh, I know you still did your picks. Uh, did you? Uh, did you make anything happen? Yes, I did. So I bet on my favorite horse yesterday. Um, at fifteen dollars on shooting money, and uh, <laughs> it was probably not a smart move because I bet. Well, I did win. It won the race. So I bet fifteen, and my total return on that fifteen was eighteen seventy-five. So I won three dollars and seventy-five cents. Man, I didn't lose, but. I don't think that's a very smart bet, but I didn't care. Shooting money is my horse, and once I saw it was racing, I said I I had to hold myself back. I almost put down twenty on it, but uh, so I did win, or I lost like total a little, but it was basically even. My other horse was really slow, which I have won on before. Really slow was not 
a winner yesterday, unfortunately, but I still, it's not going to stop me. Uh, I'm really slow. <laughs> Excellent. All right. What do you got for, uh, for your picks uh, today? I have a couple picks. I'm just uh, pulling them up here. Sorry. Something happened here. I'm betting on, so here's a Cinnaboy Downs. I'll pull it up on here. And BA Split says winning three is better than losing 15. Yeah, but I mean, you're not really putting yourself. And what's the point? Yeah, it's, it's like betting like the minus 800 favorite, you know, in hockey or, or you know, putting that on your parlay. It's, you win a it, little bit, but there is the chance that you blow it all without really a lot of return coming back. The there's no way. point of that, but it was shooting money. So I had to I had to bet on shooting money. I couldn't not do it. So <laughs> as I pull up my picks here, um, and we'll just do them at the same time, eh? That's what we're doing now. We're changed our change it up. I got, I'm starting with the race two. Okay. I got a nice yep. triactor box two four five. Love ours. Uh, Meta J, and Jerry's magic map. I am. I'm just betting uh, Jerry's magic map to win. I'm going a little different today. I've got three wins, one triactor, and an exacta. Uh, and then, okay, I'm on race. Uh, race. That, I got to put my race. We'll go to race three. Oh, sorry. I do have one on. Oh, no. Race three. Okay, you go to race three. Race three. I'm betting horse number four, a lollipop kid, to win. That is the uh, that that is my pick for uh, tonight. Four bucks to win on that one. Yeah, I thought about that one. I don't have a lollipop kid, but I have race four. Uh, oh, I had to bet on this one, Del Vecchio, to win. Del Vecchio's been there for a while. This there's a lot of horses I liked here. You know what? We've obviously had success with Del Vecchio in the past mm -hmm. because I too am on Del Vecchio to win. Four bucks on number three to win on Del Vecchio. Uh, and then what else? I got race six. Okay, uh, I got race five. I got a triactor. Okay. okay. Uh, one Blazing Sky, three Ensley's Dream, and I'm going to put in Wit's Tenny Ten. You know, I'm a sucker for those Wit horses. So uh, any any uh, um, any order, one, three, six, for a little uh, triactor box for race number six. Okay, race six. Or five, I mean. That's for you. And now I'm I'm moving to race six. I had to bet on this horse, Streamer, race two, because that's exactly what we're doing here, <laughs> streaming on YouTube. I bet five dollars on. It. I couldn't. Not, I had to. I had to do it on Streamer. I don't know if that's smart money, but uh, look, you got to put your money where your mouth is. And uh, we're streaming here, so I'm. I feel aligned I like with horse Streamer. I like it. Uh, I am uh, taking number. Four flying to the line. That's the favorite. A four-one exacta. That's a lot of bling. Horse number one. I think we had some good success with that one before. So uh, that one is in. And uh, those are the picks for uh, for I this got, evening. I got one on race seven actually, but I will say the horses that have like a sentence with with their name like is like that's a lot of bling with no spaces. Usually a good sign. You want those horses, Hus, <laughs> when they have a phrase without sentence without spaces. Uh, last one, I actually am taking Olive's Candy uh, to win here. Olive's Candy. Love a good olive. Green olives, though, not black. Not black olives. Oh, yeah. Eight to one on that one. 
Yeah, I thought it was so a, a program said, selection at eight to one. So I was like, all right. We've got uh, well, there has been a, cut, a scratch of five cuss and cat. Uh, Mechanic Susie and Margot's Girl, the favorites in that one. Now, again, if you want to play at Assiniboy Downs and aren't going to be make it down, you can uh, always open up an account and bet like we do at hpibet.com. And if you want, watch the fellas, uh, Kirk and Stretch, do their thing at 645 on the YouTube channel with some educated picks for the evening. And um, you can always follow along on the YouTube channel for the... Uh, for the duration of the uh, of the evening, and uh, or sometimes like I do it, I'll just go out for the night, come back, and then uh, back it up and uh, watch the races and uh, not wait the twenty minutes in between the races. So, um, lots of ways to uh, lots of ways to check it out. Big thanks to Assiniboia Downs for their support of WST as well. Yeah, but before we wind it up, I do give a couple. I want to weigh in on that Dreger clip. Yes. I'm like I'm really blown away by this assistance by like Elliot and Dreger that the Jets want to remain like competitive like over and over like it's pretty clear you know you have these guys entering their final year two of them aren't going to resign and for him to suggest like maybe they don't trade Hellebuck or Dubois um is kind of insane to me and um you know you have to figure I, out what you I you're don't do- really understand yeah like, like exactly like, why do they keep saying, you know, they, I would, if they came and said, hey, you know what, like, changes are going to come. We're going to take a couple steps back this year, but we're going to be taking more steps forward in the, in the future. Like, it's, it's, they're up against it. Like, this rebuild or retool is staring them right in the face. And I don't, and I don't understand how you're going to get, um, you know, equal value for guys who have one year left on their deal. Like, no one's going to be trading them. NHL players ready to step in and, be direct replacements, unless it's someone who's also a one year who's going to resign here. You know, you're going to give them some crazy contract. But like, I'm curious how this is going to play out. This is going to be a fascinating month here. But I, I don't know why they keep parroting. No, they're not rebuilding. They're going to remain competitive. I guess the one, the one reason would be because their division sucks. And you have Chicago and Arizona and Nashville who are bad and you can probably get into a playoff spot, but like what you're going to get like squeak in in the last spot and lose in five games. Like what's, what's the point of doing that again? Uh, you know what? I, I, and I'm not sure whether they, it's funny. I t- was talking to a couple guys last night that have season tickets that are in that haven't, you know, turned away like many, like some have uh, that are still there supporting their team and, and, and are saying basically the same thing. Like, give me, Give me an exciting team that, you know, comes out and just works their ass off every night that, you know, kind of embodies a bit of the city more. I mean, I'll have time for mistakes. I'll have patience for younger players. If we know that the plan is that younger guys will come in and sort of, you know, turn into, you know, a, a reboot, if you will, of a core that, you know, had a great window. But I think we've all agreed it's closed under those players. And listen, I'm sure they don't want to be in this situation with Dubois and Hellebuck, but they are in this situation with Dubois and Hellebuck. And, I mean, it would be borderline negligence to allow, or not even borderline, I mean, it would be negligent to the franchise to go into this season, play the year out, and have those guys walk at the end of the season for nothing. And I don't for a second think that that is part of the plans right now why that's the message coming in through some of the insiders. This so um, a, 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 the, the other side of it is maybe it's for some of the other players. 
I mean, messages to the likes of Morrissey and Lowry and Connor, um, because I understand. I mean, they don't want to be the Coyotes or the Blackhawks, um, and good, um, because as I said, I mean, I do want to see a team that competes, that works hard each and every night. But listen, if the team isn't quite as good in the short term because of the moves that they're having to make, I think I and most fans will understand that there is a little element of short-term pain for some longer-term gain. The big key right now is all the pressure on the general manager's shoulders to go out, get valuable assets for these players that are on the move, and allow Rick Bonus to truly create a new culture that will, I think, suit the team, the personnel, and the city better. Yes, I, I agree with that. And I think there's a fear that and you keep trying to run it back over and over again, you can become Vancouver, who's been spinning their tires since 2015, won't acknowledge that they need a rebuild, keep trading you know, first-round picks for like Connor Garland and acquiring bad contracts. I don't think the Jets do, are going to do that. They don't make... They don't give away first-round picks and make bad mistakes, but I don't know how they're going to get out of uh, this jam this summer. And when you say remain competitive, that to me means equal to last season, and I just think they're in such a tough spot. I don't think you can do that, but again, I'm here in my basement uh, talking to you, playing fantasy hockey, not playing real NHL GM. Hey, it's not GMing, fantasy so hockey, man. I'll leave, it, I'll leave it up leave it up to the GMs, but that's why it's so... So fasting. I do want to move on, Huss. Uh, we did run out the office pool for the playoffs, and we have a winner. We got a crown. Yes. Here. Who won? Okay, I'm pulling it up. Shout out to WST listener. iPhone bench. Uh, Benji Rothman took it down. Bench. He wins the WST prize pack. 243 points. In first, Team Bring It with the Oilers logo. In second, 237 and Nori Gretzky's. And Cowboy, your guy Cowboy, tied for, nice. for third. Cowboy, to, great, look, great supporter of WST, always looking good in his hat. Wow, Benj, local comedian, iPhone Benj, making it happen. Who knew he had that club in his bag? Yeah, check him out at, uh, what, at the basement, at Portage. I'll give him a plug. He's at Rumors. Uh, I'll get him a hoodie. I'll give him a bunch of WST stuff, but sure. I mean, if you, I bet you in this pool, there were a lot of people who weren't were like, "I'm not taking Vegas. The Jets are definitely winning." And he had Stevenson, Marchesso, Smith, and Theodore from from Vegas, plus Sam Bennett from Florida. So that propelled him to win. So I'll be in contact with the top three here, technically four, and but Benj gets the big prize back. I'll see if I what I can give T-shirts or whatnot to the other. The other guys, but uh, had to give a shout out to that. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Shout out to uh, to everyone that played. Thank you very much. And hey, your next chance to win with us is the uh, U.S. Open contest right now. Remus put the uh, the link in the description and I believe in the uh, in the chat. Um, and again, once it fills, it's filled. Um, and obviously, it's you know it's a three dollar contest. Top five are going to be getting paid from DraftKings. But if you win. Also got a little extra prize pack from our friends at TaylorMade with a, I uh, think I'm going to pick it up later on. So I don't know whether it's a hat or balls or what, but uh, it'll be something neat. A nice little extra bit for you uh, golf fans. And uh, as I say, I cannot wait for the tournament tomorrow. Um, listen, great show today. Appreciate everyone jumping in, everyone joining us every day. And again, 
Thoughts are with uh, our pals out in Edmonton uh, with TSN 1260 that uh, saw the plug pulled out of the blue on their station today. We've been there. We know how you feel, fellas, and uh, we know there are brighter days ahead. Um, thanks again to Feinberg. Thanks to Scott Billick, and thanks to John Hodge for coming on today. And as always, thank the sponsors that make this program happen and all of you that support them and support us every day. We'll be back tomorrow. Ken Weeb's coming on, and we've got good news for you. Marat was away a little bit. Marat will be back on Friday's show. So much more now that we're officially fully into the NHL offseason. On the latest on the Jets, Weeb's World tomorrow, Marat on Friday. Do not miss it, gang. Have a great night. We'll see you tomorrow at 1 o'clock right here on WST. Oh, my God. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.